<laughs> I always have to be so much louder because I mumble so much. Yeah, I always yeah crank Mouse you up. The mumbler. <laughs> Shane is the phone. So. Hello. Right. Sound like I'm on the phone. You do. If you were the Monopoly character, you would be the phone. If this, if in the board game of this show. <laughs> oh yeah, the phone. Did they have a derby car? Yeah, like derby car, old shoe, like like uh, the. I had to eat oh, my shoe because I was so telephone. poor. Yeah, like the. Was I that actual piece? Am I misremembering? They probably that? don't have that piece anymore. I saw a kid with a Pinewood Derby car the other day. It was kind of nostalgic for me. I, I did a lot of Pinewood Derby when I was a kid. Oh, did you? So, did you yeah. graphite the wheels and? Yeah, to, yeah. Well, you graphite you, the wheels. If you want to win, you're gonna graphite. You gotta, like, the wheels. pour it out and <laughs> add the weights to the back, so it, you know, really. Yeah, but did yeah. you ever boil it and split it down the middle so it would crack apart and then cheat by putting more weights inside and no, pulling it back? No, together? no, I've never. Oh, no, wow. I just, I just screwed it at, like just you know bore holes in it and stuff it full of like weights and stuff. And you weren't cheating. Like, no, I My guess brother was cheating. Say, that was loud. I watched, but then. My brother became a mechanic and started doing that for real. Can't stop the signal, can't stop the noise. <laughs> Cheating on the roadway. <laughs> Boiling wood. Put, keeping it together duct tape. <laughs> Keep it together, duct tape style. With you can't stop the signal. Let's do Welcome. let's do introductions. Thanks for no thanks more for soft intro. Me. Yeah, that's no good. more soft intros. Are we doing that? No, fine. We can end it. That's Evan Gritson with the hardline stance over there. Hardline right. on soft intros <laughs> since 2014. Across the way from me to break convention, sitting in in the role of Evan Gritson, Shane Otis. Yes, hello. Shane woke up Evan. for this one. I did. He finally woke up. We'll go back to back to a first season through, bit. Uh, yeah, twenty four <laughs> straight episodes, but now he's two and a half seasons. He finally woke his up. Ass off the bed, and it was a quiet chamber. <laughs> <laughs> as always, the best visual artist in that's me radio, as well that's as me. the best non cheating soapbox derby racer. Is that was, was pretty good. Mouse got a haircut, for, for and he's already pissed that you didn't notice. Yeah, Yakobo. Thanks, audience. That's how into visual radio he is. Yakov, Minov. Yahobo Minfei. Mr. Jake Mino. But more importantly, wow, we have in the bit. top floor of the You Can't Stop the Signal Studios, Mr. Trey Spruance. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, oh, shit, shit. I'm the Come guy on, the dude. Soundboard. Motherfucking soundboard over here. Man, sorry. What? Now it's going to suck. All right. Oh, that's for you, buddy. Hand laughter. That's, that's you were just talking about that. You're missing out on this. Is there actually <laughs> a can? It's genuine. I mean, does the laughter come from a can? <laughs> I think it is. Laughter yeah, in a can. can. But the, yeah, can, we, the can was just we actually, open we, today, so yeah, we, it's, it's pretty fresh. Yeah, we did buy that. We sampled that for, we, right some, as we opened it. We were just like, whoosh. <laughs> I know some stand-up <laughs> comics that would buy that by the six-pack for sure, or a 12-pack if it was available, depending on how reasonably it was priced. <gasps> like <gasps> washing whooshy applause in like a, a tiny room. I think they need to bring that back like in television. Like sitcom applause. Yeah, like, yeah where, like where, it's, where it's the live studio audience applause. It yeah. doesn't sound like anyone's right. actually having fun, but they're just seeing like, the sign that's lit up that says, you know, yeah, laugh yeah, yeah. The cheers whatever. applause. Yeah. The cheers best part applause. is like the f- you know, four times during the same show, you'll hear the same. But if you pay attention, you can hear like the same there's there's always like a guy. Like a weird little laugh that you've noticed. Yeah, right at the end, there's there's a... Yeah, <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, the Wait one guy that's like, you're going to hear me on this canned laughter. Check it out. Right at the very end. That's me. That's me. I'm totally over the guy. And I never watched Charles in Charge. That's guy, a lie. He still lives in Hollywood, too. I didn't He's laugh still at down that. There trying to... Grandpa Powell. <laughs> yeah, he'd be all. You and your casual racism aren't funny to me. I didn't laugh at that. <laughs> he'd be all worked up about it. Yeah. Like, that was his big break, too. It was like, oh, it's all coming together. 
<laughs> Lo and behold, that dream died on the vine. As rich of a topic as that is, we could explore it for hours. We could in, in the presence of a lesser guest, but <laughs> once you probably dive right in. So Trey Sperance, you may know from being an awesome dude in general, uh, but Secret Chiefs Three, Mister Bungle, and King for a Day. You did, you, uh, a lot. There's a lot of the faith. The faith no wars. A lot of people know you from that. Preeminent musician and wizard of all things musical. Composition. Yeah, I said production as well, right? Production. Definitely some production re- as well. Kind of one-stop well. shop, triple threat situation. We have you uh, in our studios, and thank you for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me here. You guys are gearing up to to do uh, some some playing. Yeah. There's going to be some Secret Chiefs touring, the West Coast. right? Yes, we're doing... Uh, it's just a short West Coast tour starting in Vancouver, and I think there's eight or ten shows. Uh, plus a couple of Masada shows where we do we did a record of John Zorn's Masada music. I'm doing one of those. In I saw Oakland, that at Yoshi's actually. Oh, you yeah. saw the Yoshi's I saw the Yoshi gig. show. Yeah. Okay, cool. It was a yeah, it's. Gig. I think we've only done it. Well, we did it at Cafe du Nord last year too. So this will be the third time I think I we've think done it. Oh, it's such a bummer. Well. The Cafe du Nord's closing now. Although I, I hear that the new owners are gonna. I mean, where is it? We drove by today and I couldn't find it. Because there's some new building sitting yeah, on top of it. Or yeah, they, they like built a, a thing. It's, what? it's next to it. Well, the Swedish American Music Hall, yeah, yeah, which has always it, been there, yeah, but there yeah. there is some new development over there. But no. apparently, the new owners it's, uh, are, are going to keep it as a venue. But it remains to be seen what that means. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's going to have the same feeling. adventurous spirit and feeling of yeah. Cafe de Nord. It means yeah, yeah. DJ night or the Twin Peaks style yeah, right. decor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it could be location. Uh, I saw those uh, two nights at Cafe de Nord last year. Yeah, I saw the oh, first yeah? first night of that one myself. So you've seen, if you saw both nights, you've seen the Masada set before. Awesome. Once. I don't see it again. And there's a... And again. And so, and, uh, we're, and we'll, play, we'll play the that's dates. That's enough. Stop being creepy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, put, we'll put the dates up on the site, but, uh, and some of them may actually not have already transpired by the time this airs. It's very true. It's a valid, <laughs> it's a valid potential many situation. I can tell yeah, we're playing the chapel on the February oh, right. 15th. Nice. I really like that place. I saw Sparks there. And it was just the male brothers, just just the two of them. Oh yeah, that's right. They're doing that. that fucking awesome. And, mm-hmm. you, and like you have, like you wouldn't think that would be that good when it's just two guys. And it's like one guy playing piano, another guy singing. Like there's no way it's gonna like do any justice to these big baroque crazy arrangements. Well, but the captain was... and Tennille did it. <laughs> who, are you? who got a divorce now? Shit. <laughs> that was, and that's like the kind of thing where the the joke writes itself. Really, you know, when 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 you write a song and it's your big hit and the love will keep us together, you can't ever really. File for divorce. I mean, there are probably at least ten years that they were just coasting on. Oh, I don't want to see the headlines of the Huffington Post on that one. You know, <laughs> shit. Trey, where's your uh, favorite place to tour? To tour? To tour? Where, like do, you, where do you like playing? Country like, or city? Yeah. Or? As a destination? Yeah, as a destination? Like, oh, like if like we're you know if it's someplace in like you know like Prague. If you're like if we're going through like well, let's we got to hit Prague, man. Like or Bellingham, say it, like like we like to hit Bellingham. Like if we're gonna be up there like <laughs> Prague, God, Prague Bellingham, Bellingham. You know, it's it's <laughs> Oakland. It's the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, is there, like, a, a one, like, ooh, like, it'd be nice to work that place in again. That'd be, you know, like... Well, actually, yeah, this is this is going to show my age uh, and uh, and jadedness because I would have to honestly say it's it's more of a pleasure playing around the West Coast lately for us. It, it, we haven't done it that much compared... We've done a lot of Europe tours lately. Like, we've, we've just started touring in Latin America, too. Oh, but, nice. But it's like something about playing on the west coast is easy because it happens all the time there's bands playing all of the time and the audiences are 
pretty prepped for what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It makes it it makes it really a pleasure. Some like you know, the situations like for example, Chile. I could say you know it's great because there's these huge audiences there, but it, and it is, but it's also a completely different world, and people have a different idea of what the music is. They have different reasons for coming to the show. It gets totally. very complicated. I'm sure they yeah, perceive it very very differently. It's, yeah, it's, it's just yeah, different totally. in their own from their own perceptions. Yeah, and there's something to be said for it just being like, oh, okay, well this is. You know, I, I understand all of the the people who are who are here pretty much, and why they why they've come to the, to see me tonight. Like, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, are you saying that there's a difference between Chile and Dubuque? <laughs> We've never played Dubuque, but we have played Bellingham. <laughs> I I love Bellingham. Bellingham's fun. Bellingham, Bellingham's, Bellingham's a, good music a great, town. yeah, it's a great weird little town that it like the idea of what everybody thinks Olympia is is what Bellingham actually totally. is as far as being a hotbed for like awesome things happening. Yeah, yeah. and it's basically Canada too, which is is has an interesting <laughs> vibe. And it had a, a venue that we played there had a, it looked like a castle. It was all stone, like an underground stone oh, fortress. Uh, yeah. Oh, I saw. Um, Beautiful place. I saw a, a RZA play a show there, actually, on a, on a, a tour of my old band. Was, you know, these people come up that we knew and were like, hey, do you want to see RZA play at this venue that looks like a castle? Hmm. And I said, sure. fuck yes. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> and we went and saw RZA. And it was, it was, it was surreal and fantastic in Bellingham, Washington. And there was a bunch of, you know, white college kids that were <laughs> but re- then, really I'm, into it. I, I mean, this is going to sound pretty dickish of me, but then, you know, I, I have to mention that we have played actually in castles before, like yeah. in, in Portugal. That's, a, that's, that's not dickish. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's really pretty it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't. Oh, this dick came over. All he did was talk about castles. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. What's your favorite no, that's castle awesome. to play in? <laughs> <laughs> Top three castles go. Chinesh uh, in Portugal, easily. That that, that was that's well, a big fortress. Popular answer. Yeah, yeah. Everybody <laughs> says that, right? It seems like Europe's a good place to be treated well. It depends. <laughs> it depends. Yeah, I, you know. I mean, it's also a place where you can be. You know, you're you're the you're the sort of wind up dog. Mm. You're the wind right. up monkey. Right. Gotcha. You know? There's a little bit of that. Depends. And mm. it's surprising because sometimes those gigs are, are better. You're treated better than, than when you're playing like the super punk rock squat that everybody's behind the music. Yeah, and sometimes the, the, the drama of that is uh, less worth dealing with than even the, you know, the bourgeoisie pigs. The vermin, the crazy guy. I, I don't get in involved. Corner. I don't, you know, it's, I, don't, I don't like to get involved in all of the opinion wars that people have of who's a dick and who isn't and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, fuck, this is going to be a short interview. (laughs) (laughs) We had about 25 straight under the bus questions, basically. Which Bruins on, he wouldn't talk shit about anyone. I don't know what the deal was. Oh, I'll talk shit. (laughs) Bring it on. (laughs) Do you find European audiences to be more enthusiastic or? Depending on where you go, yeah. I mean, it's also Europe. All the countries are are really different. Um, Like when we play in Bulgaria, you know, it's not a huge audience. It's something like 120 people or something, but they're just really, really fiery. But then you go, we play Istanbul, not that far away, and uh, it's a very, very refined audience. Like uh, at least, it depends who's marketing and who's who the promoter is and where the show is. But you know, you notice this really e- extreme difference in temperament. You have people who are really, uh, you know, highly educated, sort of jazz aficionados mm-hmm. at the Istanbul gig. Yeah. And then it's this more sort of scrappy, kind of punk rock excitement. Yeah, it, I can it, see it, how your music definitely attracts like both of those audiences to a large degree. It kind of gets the mix. I mean, I've even seen that out here when I see yeah, the shows. Yeah, totally. Well, well, that's what I mean. Like playing West Coast is is cool because it has this. You have that eclectic mix 
at, in, in every audience. Yeah. And in Europe, yeah, it's it really depends on who who marketed it and what the sort of local temperament is. So you could it could be all metalheads. It could be all hippies. Like, yeah. seriously. Yeah. It could be all, like, aging punk rocker uh, anarchists who don't give a shit well, about it's the nice music. That, you know, right. you make yeah, music that can attract everyone, you know? I mean, it's like, you're, you know. It's, it's nice. Like, it's, 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 it's gotta, we're we're yeah. lucky with that. It, yeah. It's nice to be able to, to, and, you know, we play jazz festivals and stuff over there. Right. World music. That's where the castle was. This big, oh, really? Big world music festival oh, thing. Nice. Well, that leads me to, to the follow-up question then. Like, you know, a place like Istanbul, like, especially with Secret Chiefs and, you know, the, the crazy... To the the average rock music listening, you know, non-modal Pythagoras guitar listening motherfucker, uh, you know, it, it sounds like you know. Well, that's a wide demographic. Somebody would say like, oh, it sounds ethnic or something along those lines. But then like when you're you're actually playing the places that like you're taking a lot of like these scales, like learning a lot of these different techniques from. How is that? Uh, do people look at you like, ah, oh, this guy, you know, like these? They're oh, that's not the way you gentrifying do that. our shit. Yeah, it's funny. The <laughs> only place where you ever get that stuff is where it's just tons of white liberal douchebags. <laughs> awesome. You never get fantastic. That. You never ever get that attitude from from people, and you know they they feel the authenticity in your music. They never. Quit. Yeah, I mean, I might be paranoid and be like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not really playing the saws. I don't know how to play the repertoire. I don't mean to disrespect. And they're like, what are you talking about? And this is interesting. It's like, we no, are... you jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I say, I'm sure it's like you have a fresh yeah. take on it and obviously yeah. a very refined take on it. And yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but it, it's at least, you know. the it, It's well thought out, I would I would say, it's... at least. Yeah. So, yeah. so it works. And, it and works. To use you know. maybe a different phrase. But okay. so no, no, it's true. It, it works, and that's uh, it, there's sort of a mutual appreciation, at least on that level. You didn't grow up within it, and it's not the dominant thing where you Speaking grew of, up. Uh, so well, yeah, it's I mean, I'm sure there's a degree yeah. of respect that you explored it and have done something of, I, your, of your own. I think what, what I like about that, like uh, about the point you're making, is also that they're like uh, – it's as it's as outside their frame of reference as it as our music is when we're mm -hmm. here. You know, it's sort of not you know these unfamiliar foreign sounding elements. They're actually not really rooted ethnically. They're sort of ethnically unrooted. <laughs> it's context, yeah. yeah. And so if you're in Istanbul yeah. and you, okay, you're playing a, it's not even a saz. It's a mutation. You know, it's a it's a guitar saz. So mm -hmm. it's already totally foreign and weird to them. Like it's a twist. Too. Yeah. Also. So it just really doesn't fit yeah, anywhere, yeah. which is why in in a sort of niche sense it does kind of fit everywhere in a very small way. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. Nice. Hmm. Well why don't why don't we yeah, uh, listen to some music? Maybe. So you never had someone come up and be like, oh, you know that's the wrong way to play the Tuvan nose flute. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I it's it's surprising how little of that I've gotten except for, you know, you get you get the occasional, like I said, guilt trip from a some dick bag in Berkeley that's yeah. You get that. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I've been studying it, actually, for a little while. And when you go back to the original. Yeah. I, have I've taken I have blonde dreads, okay? I teach a class at the Learning Annex, and really, you're, you're doing that wrong. I feel like you should know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why don't we listen to a song? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll play some. Mr. I have some, uh, some music I queued up. As, this as, is called Girls of Porn. So you, ever, uh, you ever record any of your stuff? This is important. Take one. <laughs>
this job <laughs> I was gonna say fuck it yeah I'm just gonna put mine up you're doing a turn job. this shit up turn this shit down how do you do this every week man oh man I ask myself that question every week <laughs> <laughs> you wanna post announce those songs there Mr. Minois yeah sorry uh, that's uh, it was book it's called back sell um, <laughs> back I'm gonna actually have to look these up I'm one of those dicks that like just puts it on and actually never learns the, the names of the songs. It started with Emir of the Bees off of uh, First Grand Constitution Bylaws then we went right to book T uh, Broken Glass you tell me. Damn it. Bird was. 
Perqualia. How do you how do you pronounce that? I've actually never known. <laughs> oh, that. I will punish you with <laughs> no, like, well, the, the song is Broken Glass Hearse, though. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Broken Glass Hearse. Why is it not telling me that? I actually know that name randomly. And then Fuck Amir you, of the Beast was the end ender there. Mm-hmm. You don't get it. <laughs> That's me telling myself to fuck off. <laughs> it's a prime moment. I'd like resist. to hear some chimes. That would make it a little more clear to me. No, I feel bad because I am a, I am a huge Secret Chiefs fan, and I was like doing that, like, oh, it should be that song. Fuck, what's the name of that song? Like, like no, I do the same thing. If you had asked me, <laughs> no idea. It's I know it's track nine. It's track nine on the fucking on book M. But I, <laughs> well, especially the Emir of the Bees one that has all these subtitles. I don't I don't remember any of those. There's a there were a few that have the like they, they started like let me see that bring that over here. <laughs> I go, there's a there's a few like book T and book T showed up on a it showed up on Book of Horizons as well. Yeah, bunch yeah. of books you, you're putting out books here. Books. Like, yeah. I get it. <laughs> Reading cool. Yeah, reading is cool, kids. Deep mythology, <laughs> like, whatever. I actually, have, I actually have like two questions in my mind. Like, what you know, what is is book T like? Just kind of like a concept in of its of itself, because like that you've you've come back to a few times, and then also what was what's the emphasis for calling them books? Like, well, for yeah, for book T, it mm. it is really kind of like oh, a book, oh. pages in a book. That uh, but but that one is. I mean, it's a lot to get into. Uh, we got the time, so that's, that's don't worry. <laughs> welcome to long format podcasting. Yeah, it's the best thing about this this dumb format. Where there is. are no short answers. <laughs> yeah, as long-winded as you want, please. All right, well, the, the we first it. one it, it, with a, the subtitle Waves of, of Blood, it's it's a play on, uh, of course, this is surf music. So the, the idea there, everything having to do with the book T has to do with the uh, exodus. And the song Exodus, we call Book T Exodus, the cover version of the Ernest Gold tune, came out, like you said, on Book of Horizons. But before that, the trilogy of Book T songs on Second Grand were basically the, the Exodus thing is the, the payoff. They were leading up to, to that. So it's a book it's funny. That's about what I, Exodus. That's uh, why I, I thought that because they have similar themes going on. Yeah. I was putting yeah. it together. And so when you think about, like, for example, the Red Sea, the red, the waves of blood, the red, the parting of the Red Sea is is about the, the blood. Actually, the blood you could think of it as the blood of the human body, parting, like you know, coming coming out of the Egypt to the Promised Land, crossing crossing the threshold of living organic life into something something else. So mm, crossing, yeah, and then the in the crossing of that when it says broken glass hearse. And you think about the chariot that's you know pursuing the you know the the Israelites yeah, as they're yeah, leaving as they're as they're making, Metaf- the, making their exodus into the ass. desert and the the walls of, uh, of of blood standing up you know miraculously on either side of them as death is pursuing pursuing them and then the third one orbital ballroom and the hall of resurrection uh, so I mean I let you make make your own inferences from all of that stuff, but it's a book uh, basically recapitulating Exodus in a surf rock context. <laughs> context. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Awesome. Very nice. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 All right. Okay. Exodus. And then you just and then the for the albums, happens. it's like it being is. books. It's very similar concept. Like this is a book, and these are all each one of these are all just I'm glad it's not about songs the band and chapters within that, this. That, That'd be a bummer. The band Exodus, yeah, or or the movie Exodus, which you know had a brilliant soundtrack for a not brilliant movie. Which one? I don't remember what, I don't which know. one that was. That was a I don't Exodus know it's soundtracks. It's an Otto Preminger thing. Oh, is it okay? Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Maybe I'm wrong not about familiar. that. Some dick on the internet's gonna fucking correct me if I don't look it up. So. Yeah, <laughs> actually, probably 
We do, it's already happening. We do a lot of corrections at this show. <laughs> we, we certainly do. I watched it once a, a long time ago because I figured I should if I'm, you know, doing a, a recontextualization of the music. But my excuse for that has always been that it's the soundtrack is worthy for the actual book of Exodus. It doesn't need to be tied to that terrible movie. Sure. <laughs> oh, Paul yeah, Newman. It, Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. It's not good. It's not one of Paul Newman's. Nah, that's fine. I don't know it at all. It's, uh, and I love religious it's movies. About, it's about the founding of the state of Israel. Oh. Yeah, it's less religious than, than political. But that, and but the music is really glorious. It has this great feeling. And Ernest Gold actually traveled to Israel, uh, the story that I read about it. He traveled there and kind of soaked in the feeling of it. Um, what, what, that's year, how what year did it come out? What year is it? Actually, 62 or something? That makes it. Like, the soundtrack music from Here back then the was so memory. amazing. Like, the 60s and 70s and even 50s like, soundtrack music is just pretty, yeah. like... It's by you know just random composers that are trying to make it like and they've got like well yeah some, right. like, we just saw where did we see that Ernest Gold's name he was a he was a arranger he did a bunch of arranging work for some pretty legendary soundtracks but I don't remember what the hell was that stuff from the fifties so it was a noir film hmm. I remember yeah. when a struggling Morricone would be on the street <laughs> with his sign we'll conduct for food witness to an execution maybe it was but the thing is that if you conduct right in the middle of the BART station remember. it's just the most beautiful place to conduct from <laughs> <laughs> best acoustics so, ever that's uh, how Morricone got through that's a funny thing through the yeah, lean times uh, I, we always I, I'm always hearing that like everywhere we go like oh that Morricone tune you guys played that's, oh, like, right. that's awesome <laughs> like, uh, he didn't sorry. compose that though <laughs> <laughs> and actually Secret Chiefs hasn't played any Morricone ever, but it's always listed in the like introduction to the band. You know, they play Morricone cover songs. <laughs> I guess randomly, Western. I can I can I can see that from from fucking a uh, Book of Horizons because I uh, somebody once said to me, it's like I you know like it went it was black metal and then it was like Morricone and like I, it was like. <laughs> It's almost just like it was, a. It was like a soundtrack. Yeah. And then, I mean, I say I, I consider <laughs> it to be like a big thing, like a big component of what it sounds like. It's well, just, for sure. I, I mean, I'm just being technical. It yeah. is true. It's like shorthand for like that type of soundtrack for sure. lots of people that aren't necessarily devotees of, of the genre. Yeah, yeah. and, I, sure. I, and I, I'm I mean, a fan. He, he definitely really put a name on it for himself, and he did a lot. Of he great, laid some serious. He did, he did a lot too. of great work, but. Yeah. Oh, I mean, not not not, ex- not exclusively great work. <laughs> right, but there are some. No, no one does. Right, but that yeah, that's but. not that's not him. It's just like so. That's funny that they would yeah. Well, it's because we do a, a sort of a spaghetti western ish rendition of an Ernest Gold. Team. Ah, gotcha. Okay. You know? So it's not yeah. I understand why the confusion why they arises. Would jump to that. People place. hear that slight reverb on the it, guitar. It and looks. Thinking, it looks just like the picture. Like, when I hear it, when it go, when it when I'm listening to that song, it looks like the picture of the the guy. You know, the traditionalist, the the yeah, guy riding the horse. You know, like it look. Yeah, it, nice. It, it sounds like that, that sure. looks good. Like, good. It's supposed to. Like, I, I'm trying yeah. to do that, and it's also weird because. I mean, there are other more overtly spaghetti western things that we've done, like on the Book of Horizons record. But like there, there was Morricone's uh, assistant, or uh, you know, a great composer in his own right, Bruno Nicolai, uh, a ranger, who probably is more responsible for inventing the cliches that we recognize as being spaghetti western. The spaghetti western stuff. cliches, yeah. And definitely, I you know, I, th- I feel like if Secret Chiefs have have derived some of those kind of cliches from from anywhere, it would be from from Bruno Nicolai for sure. In fact, I could point you to the places. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, now's your chance because we're going to play the songs and you get... No, we're not going to do that at all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, and so, as far as... I, I know that 
for the different iterations uh, of the Secret Chief's world, of which, for, for the for the casual observer, it can be a daunting the fall esque discography world of rich. Like, whoa, look at yeah. that's a lot going on. <laughs> what, what would you call them? Like the, the nested bands within bands, like Some Russian sub- subgroupings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of my questions that's written is like, how did that come about? Why do you like? How did the was it? Was it just people? Because you know, you've you've had a fairly long career as Secret Chiefs three. You know, like was it just Does who it was around at the time, or you know, both? Or it, feel free to answer any of those three questions. <laughs> no, it's all related, really. Yeah, it's all, yeah it like is, is it, it is. is it was it just, you know was it who was there during those years, and then like at this point in the career, it's like you now have this arsenal of people that we peruse from, or is it more of just like? Well, if you look at it, yeah, it's a, there's never. Um, it's always really the same team of people who are involved with making the records. So the, the what I call them satellite bands. Um, mm, that's good. Actually, I, I didn't come up with that. Somebody else had said that, I think, in a review or something. And I thought that was, because I couldn't think of how to express that either. Satellite is perfect. Yeah, it is kind of. It yeah, almost yeah. kind of reminds me of like the King Crimson sub-projects a little bit. You know? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Extent, like different people break off into these like, you know, different trios or quartets or duos sometimes and like, you know, play a different style of music, but still based on the same kind of feel and it's, core it, values. The, well, the, di- core the, value the difference being it's not like a, it's not different personnel. It's the same personnel, but we're doing we're kind of in a, in different modes. OK. And actually, if, if you think about it, like uh, what you mentioned, like Pythagorean modes, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, I mentioned that. Yeah. Oh, OK. I, yeah. If Just to give credit where credit's due, Conan fucking mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking out for you, buddy. When you have like a, a, the, di- the the sense of diatonicism, you know, when you, uh, diatonic just meaning two key centers, uh, usually, you know, if you're staying true to uh, the basic features of the harmonic series, you're going to have seven note scales within an octave mm-hmm. with slight modifications from uh, in the different starting places that you would um, begin and end a scale from. You know, different from the the Western system, um, those modifications would be pitch modifications, but the the stringing, literally the string tension, or the tonos, of each of those modes is is fundamentally different, and you can say you know it's emotionally different, or or you know has some uh, kind of basic difference. Yeah, it, like it that. resonates. So the tension of the know, string so helps define the the mood or the yeah. the flavor of the like scales that you're playing. Well, Is that what you're I, I, it's it's a, that in a mode, not so much about mm-hmm. secret cheese, but the different modes actually yeah, yeah, have yeah, very tangible different feel different relationships and, and, and yeah. using it as yeah. an al- allegory for saying that within you know the the satellite bands that. that Basically, if I'm reading you right, like like it's it's just the different modes that you're playing. It's different, like feels like you're playing this string now when we're playing playing yeah. this ur, or we're when we're sticking this word, exactly like, like sticking to to the diatonic principle of seven modes. Um, even though, let's say, Ishrakian is the closest of the satellite bands to to doing genuinely modal music, it doesn't really depart. It doesn't really go through all seven modes. But I would think of Ishrakian as as a mode. One of the one of the seven modes and forms is is one of the other modes. Do you tend to write songs within certain modes to kind of stick within the flavor of that satellite band? It depending, yeah. Okay. Um, when it comes to Ishrakian, yes, we we don't depart from the first three um, fundamental modes. Mm. It's and almost those, like a uh, in in the Eno sense where like you know like, you like set like the, the the rules for engagement. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and, and work within those as and a, play within them. Yeah. Yeah, and like for example, Ur is uh, the 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 rules or limitations. Like again, in the Greek, it would be the nomon. The when you set a, a T square edge, 
on something and define what its limitation or border is. It's very square in the case of Ur because it always has to be eighth notes, like repetitive beats, 4-4 mm. time or 3-4, but you know, no, none of this stuff like in, in Israqian where it's like a, a calculus curve in the rhythm where it's, it's a kind of a repetitive rubber band. You have in Ur the exact opposite, just completely rigid, predictable you know, straight eighth note. Sure, patterns. sure. Even if you're doing like you know a more syncopated thing or whatever, like at the, at the core of it, it doesn't. It's doesn't all straight. Oh, interesting. And that's okay. what to me, like you know, surf rock, a lot of new wave music, a lot of the uh, sort of um, kraut rock, motorik beat stuff. It's all totally got this. That's like the like the noise thing, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So Gallo. And Ur has you know covers all of those different territories. A lot of times, there's a question like, is this what is this like a surf rock band? Frankly, it's not really about surf rock. It's it's about this repetitive eight note thing, right. just banging banging it over and over, and sticking to one key. You know, or you can do modulations, but not doing anything too harmonically fancy. Which also lends itself well to the the surf rock thing. Absolutely, also. yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's just like it, it's like the thing. It's like oh no, it, it's that thing, and it sounds good when you do that thing. So apply any other. That's okay. That's interesting. And then forms. If you think of forms, it's it's would be you could almost think of Ishrakian and Ur being. There's a lot of shapes being thrown right now. Yeah, for sorry the about the hand. Audience. Some visual <laughs> radio. Thanks for anyone that listens <laughs> to this show. Knows He's giving me a boring. run for my money as the far as being the best yeah. visual artist on radio. <laughs> it's like uh, when you listen to the the comedy. Trey's got and... the uh, the whiteboard out. He's drawing. She's drawing things on it. <laughs> Looks like there's an X Y axis. I'm not sure what's going to develop from this. Don't Go worry, on. we're all You're confused. Right. <laughs> None of us understand. It's okay. <laughs> it's actually digging me. I actually. You, it, it's shameful to admit, but I actually used to be very good at, at higher math, and I just uh, we didn't even start at that. Mm, yeah, we, we haven't even started talking. About it. No, I said like <laughs> let's get, said let's we had get a lot of time here. Right yeah, now. You, th- you think you think you're not following it now? <laughs> We're just getting started, bro. <laughs> now let's take it up the ladder. Well, and that's the uh, like the sight gags, right, for old comedy records where you right. don't know what the hell's going on, but the canned laughter comes. Oh man! Yeah, and it's like, oh, Bo- it must be Bob, great. Bob Newhart <laughs> must be doing something awesome with his hands right almost, now. Almost every live record I've ever listened to has that moment where, like, the, somebody says something to the mic. Hey, you guys having a good time out there? <laughs> and then, like, it gets quiet for a second. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. he just did some motion. He made like... a mo- He did a hot thumbs up or something, and I'm not. Why did you put it. that on the record? What the fuck? Why didn't you edit? <laughs> I that don't out? identify with that joke. <laughs> yeah, it makes me resent your comedy. <laughs> right? That's how I, people, I, I, that's I, how people so, feel about us. How did so, how people feel about you, Mouse? In the uh, I know God. Um, in the in the in the songwriting process, is, is a lot of things. Are you writing a lot of the material and bringing it to the group, or is there is there like a hashing out process within the band where everybody's kind of jamming in the room, or is it? We very... all no. It's a total dictatorship. I, I have to <laughs> I have to say. I mean, I bring cover songs. You know, we do a lot of uh, pre-composed material, but I'm I'm like the guy doing all the arranging and. Do you um, score things out before you bring them in there? It depends on on whether people need it or not. A lot of like. A lot of the musicians that I work with prefer to transcribe things themselves because it's part of how they learn it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it's a it's a blessing. It, it is in up. a way yeah. like kind of helpful to just listen to it. Yeah, if it's within your comprehension to just listen to it, Absolutely. versus versus reading it. So they go the off like your demos bit. necessarily and like listen to them and then kind of work their parts in there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I, I mean, they they'll they'll know what their parts are because the parts are are there. Sometimes okay. they're they're either, they're either written out or they prefer to transcribe okay. them, um, and then. It's the questions then would be how to bring musicianship to that, because the notes and the rhythms are are basically 
figured out. Mm-hmm. Right. But totally. musicians are, you know, to bring music to life, have to right. really be able to sing it from from their own totally. musical center, yeah. bring their personality to it. And yeah. that's something. It just it's something that takes time. But I don't interfere with that. Uh, everybody's process is different. Um, but sometimes to understand, for example, a rhythm, I have to, you know, I'll, I'll sit with with people and and we'll figure out what the best way to for them to understand something like you know metaphorical language sometimes mm-hmm. for a drummer for example if you talk about a rhythm and they're used to subdividing beats and you say okay well it's basically a 4/4 four, four beat that speeds up and slows down but it speeds up and slows down the same way if you threw a ball up in the air it starts to slow down slowly right and then turns around and comes back and then then you start to as gravity takes effect which is a different motion definitely felt that in your music for sure yeah and there's there's ways to actually be together on that and not be have it not have have them all be time signatures that are changing but just understand that concept yeah and 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 the great thing is when when a whole ensemble of people are feeling those things together the same way in other words it's definite it's not i i often hear you know there's sort of a, a dismissive thing you sometimes hear from from musicians more than like you know non-musicians never worry about any of this stuff. Sometimes musicians will be like, "Oh, it's just a feel. This is just a feel." And the only thing I object to in that is the word "just." Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because sense. everybody's together, and and the way you get together on something is basically you know, it's like you're all riding on the same camel. There's a motion it's that's all going about through because the camel is already. Moving, you, you don't know how to that's, feel that's that camel. So you're gonna fall off, and that's so <laughs> yeah. key. Like, and yeah. there's so many bands that people don't even realize that that's the case with. Uh, I mean, Phil Rudd, ACDC, as for instance. And I, yeah. I know you hate no him. Phil Rudd, Charlie, <laughs> yeah, right? Charlie Watts, Rolling Stones. Like, it's it's like it would not. It would be a different band without that feel provided by that that rhythm underneath it. And then it, Surely. it is too. Like in in the same instance of ACDC, and I brought this up the other day. At our uh, fucking band's practice, but the, the album with Thunderstruck had like the different dude from uh, what the fuck? Would it, what band did he play in? It doesn't mm, matter. Like whatever. some some whatever some band that isn't. But ACDC. it wasn't Phil Rudd, damn it. And it wasn't. And like, well, Thunderstruck is a great song, and there's a couple of good songs that are on there. It doesn't quite sound like ACDC somehow. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, oh, why does that sound? It just sounds like heavy different. heavy it's, metal drummer. Yeah, it's it it in the. It's all, and the guy's actually a much more technically proficient drummer than Phil Rudd. Yeah, but it, it, it the, the feel. feel is completely different, and it makes it, it like jarringly so for yeah. a band that's been like stridently consistent. Yeah, I mean, well, and well, we're swapping members out in and out of the band all the time. Just speaking of which, Chess is uh, playing drums with you on this yeah, yeah. on this tour, right? Yes, absolutely. Fucking awesome dude, awesome drummer. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to be playing with him. It's been, I guess, a couple of years since we've done a tour with him. But yeah, he's. I mean, he's a feel guy. Yeah, sure. totally. And yeah, I he's mean, a but ripper for sure. He can, he can pound it out too. But yeah, he's definitely. Yeah, he's, he's got an. And I, I appreciate how versatile that guy is. Like he, it's, he it works really hard. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's unbelievable. He's an extremely hard worker, but it's also easy to communicate these kind of conceptual things to him and have him really be on board with it. Right. And not just be guessing. There's really, you know, he really. That's the thing. Like I, I guess I was saying about Secret Chief, there's not, there isn't really a lot of guesswork. There's freedom, mm-hmm. but the, the it's once you have the, all of the basics completely locked within the ensemble, then totally. people's music, <laughs> then, you, then it's then you can dig in a little. Yeah, yeah, and that's I mean that's the way I, I think that that's the the way to, to when you listen to like old jazz groups, that's what they were doing too. And totally, yeah. yeah it seems like you've always had a handle on that, like with like 
you know, Mr. Bungle and Secret Chiefs, it seems like you guys like will go really hardcore improv sometimes, but it's really tightly controlled. Like I wanted to ask you about that. Like how do you put the parameters around like all of this kind of free expression like that, but keep it so tight? I think yeah, it's it's from not starting from a basis of saying that it's free. Okay. You know, it's starting from a basis of saying, you know, this this is how this is supposed to be. And then there's this um there are these aleatoric areas. There's, you know, it's not even just fuzzy areas. There's areas where uh, the moment is what takes over for a musician. Okay. But it means it, it, that's only standing on the, the the foundation that you've already laid, and everybody right. understands. Totally. And, like, it kind of seems like uh, Cobra was like that. The, freedom ain't free. Play with uh, John Zorn, <laughs> Cobra at Slims, like many years ago, probably like 15, 20 years ago, and like that show blew my mind because it was so like. It seemed like it was so spontaneous, but so controlled at the same time. And I would say that the Cobra pieces and Zorn's like a game piece improv systems are much more true to uh, free, like actual free improvisation stuff. Um, what's what's controlled about it is that the musicians are making calls, um, which determine where the piece is going to go next. But in the moment, it, they're they're completely responsible for the musical c content, which okay. which er erupts spontaneously literally erupts out of space yeah it, re it reminded me of like a snake kind of slithering with like these different moods and emotions that it would go through and you know i could tell that she noticed with some visual radio of a snake yes, with, with his hand <laughs> <there. laughs> hey well, welcome to the podcast shane <laughs> <laughs> they can't see the that more visual radio yeah i know but i talk with my hands sometimes uh but uh, talk with the hands because the face don't john understand. zorn had uh you know the pieces up you know above the audience and, and it was the strangest communication i'd ever seen from anybody on stage like that and it was it was a you know pretty remarkable moment for me when i saw that it's it, those are those are cards and yeah. that's the rules to the piece um but they're all de um and those rules are you have to understand what they are but all of the what what card he holds up in his hand is up to the musicians the musicians are the ones who are getting his attention and telling okay. him where they want to go next mm -hmm. oh. because i saw they had like you know hand signals with numbers or maybe throwing off a headband yep. that's or, that's how you tell uh, him which okay. you know there are different categories there's eye category mouth category nose category ear category head category <laughs> what? wow like, like you guys get like they can wiggle they, your that's ears fucking great. Now, does everybody know the rules like <laughs> way ahead of time yeah, or yeah. do they learn them that day or like they, i don't know he blinked and he sneezed at the I same time i don't know what that means i think he just had to sneeze with with those pieces there was there was definitely like you know Know, there's uh, you could say game piece initiates who know who've been around who have been done them a bunch of time but okay. there's always new people who who are less comfortable with it okay. and even right. that that's a great dynamic also totally yeah. like yeah it's yeah. to the spontaneity <laughs> of what's going on and on you know like that's that's awesome yeah. Yeah. It actually leads me to a question i was thinking about like how how did you get hooked up with john's one was it basically he like was it from the first bungle album that you just met him then or was it something kind of like you knew that kind of scene out in new york prior to that demo to or? Oh, you just send a demo to John Zorn and be like, hey, we're this weird band well, no, from no, California. Not like, just that, like like it, in the long run, you know, like how did you get hooked up with John Zorn? This is really Zorn? awesome. Like, like, yeah, like, we, we, remember, we're just like, a, you know, we're bums from Eureka. I was going to say Humboldt, right? It's, uh, the, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. I, I love Humboldt. And it's <laughs> just so, doing the West it's so unique Coast Circuit. Like, you guys in the Chili. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> 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 it's, yeah, Humboldt, like this Eureka Arcata is such an interesting like Twin Peaks kind of like. I, I fucking love every weird part about fucking Humboldt County. It's we're actually Secret Jesus playing there on the sixth or seventh or it's first fantastic. time ever playing there. Oh, nice. wow. That's amazing! That's, that's wow. wow. Okay. Have you have cool. you have you played in Eureka Arcade at all in any other? 
no, form? No, uh, not since the late 80s. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's a trip. That's, it is. That's a while. That's, That'll be kind of cool, I that's guess. That's at like, least three years. A little bit of a in a weird way, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, a little bit of a little, you know, like, oh, shit, we're here again. Yeah, yeah. But then, uh, like, you know, more than half the people I knew back then are dead now. So. Yeah. <laughs> But it's still kind of like it's like I say like wow. the memories are uh, the memories are waiting for you like you didn't know you had those memories until you walk that that alley or whatever and you're like oh that's right I walked down this fucking alley and I peed well, there many years ago or <laughs> just some bullshit like that you know like like the memories are there you're like, you, did, you don't know you have them but like, we're actually playing the exact same stage that we used to play like it's the same nice. same video really no that's, kidding well, yeah. that's awesome like wow that's Things That's have awesome, changed. Man. I mean, it's smaller now, but it's the same stage. I've, I go back. I've been up to, to Eureka a bunch sure. of times because I agree with you. I think it's a really interesting it's a, place. Yeah, and my parents live there. It's another reason. Another yeah, reason totally. Sure. totally. <laughs> go, go visit the trees of mystery. No, uh, back to the question, though. Like, <laughs> how did you get hooked up with Zorn? Like, was oh. it like, like, how did, like, because you've, you've had like a, a long relationship with the man at this point, you know, yeah. like, and how did, you know, how did, was it? just from bungle is that where the emphasis I, started or was it i'll tell you the the whole story like actually it's an incredibly stupid beginning uh it was good it'll fit right in with the rest of our show <laughs> <laughs> it's we're driving down to record the first record i believe or maybe it was to play a show before we, we recorded that first record and we stopped at a record store in santa rosa and trevor the bass player bought uh, a record for the cover of Naked City. I believe yeah. it was oh, just yeah. because yeah, of the cover. Totally. Yeah, really cool looking yeah. cover. Cool record, too. Yeah, yeah, great record, yeah. It was a great record. Shame about the music. Yeah. No, yeah, great great record as well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it, it blew our mind, you know, of course. And uh, But the thing was, you know, we had this very weird um, record deal with Warner Brothers. It was pending at that point. It wasn't really solidified. Totally. They're telling us, so This is remember, this is the 80s. It's like the era of the producers, the big rock producers yeah, are yeah. still yeah. kind of there. So they're telling us we have to have a producer. Ponytail, you know. <laughs> Ponytail in well, a suit. And we didn't suit. know. I mean, who, who are, like I said, we're from Eureka. We don't know. We don't know what the hell's going on. Right. Um, so the only peop- the only thing we could think of, and none of us listened to his music, but, you know, everybody was telling us we sounded like Zappa. So we're like, all right, let's see if Frank Zappa wants to produce this record. <laughs> nice. and, uh, and he was sick at the time. Uh, so yeah, I was gonna say timing. Uh, timing wise, that probably wouldn't have worked out. Unfortunately, I mean, it yeah. would have been that. That's really interesting, that, and that would have been awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. We that learned Frank later Zappa that he really wanted to do it, and oh, you know, man. which is cool. Oh man! Oh, wow! <laughs> wow! Oh. So we had to settle for Amazing. John Zorn. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Sloppy oh. seconds, Zorn. Let's see what you got. <laughs> and Naked yeah. City, cool. I get it. What's amazing is Warner <laughs> Brothers went for that. <laughs> well, that, that's the incredible thing is that because they were requiring us, they, all they, they they required us to have a producer. They didn't specify who? who it was. I'm sure they clarified that language after this event. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second, we can't have another bungle. Well, actually, no. To to Zorn's credit, because we had already recorded Next the record. Time, Mud Lang. <laughs> Zorn totally <sighs> fixed that record up because we you know we recorded it on our own. The tones were terrible. Everything. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't. Yeah, the playing was, was there, be. but. Yeah. You know, I'd never played through a Marshall amp. I was playing through a PV Renown amplifier. You know, <laughs> wow. playing PV using, Renown. Yeah, PV <laughs> Renown. And all the keyboard sounds were uh, an Ensonic SQ80. You know, <laughs> wow. Just direct. Oh yeah. Oh, so man. he, he, you know, Zorn came in and was like, "No, we got to no, re-record no, no, no. this stuff. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> redo this guitar. <laughs> no. Let's get a, a Hammond 
organ on there. Let's you know the stuff that that later you know, later I figured out what a Poltec EQ was. He brought in good outboard gear. He's good ears. He knows what the hell yeah. he's doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thank totally. God, right? It, it makes the fucking difference. Because <laughs> some of like, those things like make the record, and yeah, I can only totally. imagine if it had For some sure. some terrible, you know. Wesley Willis sounding keyboard action on there. <laughs> it, would, you know. it wouldn't quite stand up as tall as it does these days. <laughs> and, he, and that record stands tall, too. You know? it, yeah, it's yeah. him who, who hooked us up with the with Bob Ludwig for the mastering, Wesley Willis? too. Oh, no, John Zorn. Okay. Zorn, yeah. I mean, Zorn, he has total producer chops. That's one thing, one side of him you don't hear very much, but he's yeah. really, really Yeah, it's it. not what you think of when you think of John Zorn, but it's like, I'm, I'm he's sure, good at that stuff. I'm sure he makes great pasta. You know, it's like there's all other things that he does that is not like <laughs> the thing that he's known for. That's just when you brought up Naked City. Like uh, I remember being, you know, I grew up in a small town in Alaska and and playing the the first Bungle album for a good friend who's actually down in L.A. making amazing music of his own now. Like, but like playing it for him, he's like, oh, this is cool. And then he brought out Naked City. He's like, this is what, yeah, this is similar to this. I listen to this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, oh shit. Like, and that was. <laughs> It's like yeah. we turned him on to Bumble yeah, and he turned of. me on to Zorn. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, oh, that's that's great. Like, yeah. And then Mr. And the first Mr. years Bumble later, actually. we read the the liner notes, and we were like, oh shit, that makes sense. Like, oh, oh, you like, didn't know like, it at that. Time. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time. It was very like, the first like Mr. Bungle led me to Naked City. Actually, that's how I ended up hearing that album later. Oh, Which man. is totally yeah. something that happens still, but I think it happens in like fast motion now. It's like, oh, yeah. what's on the Wikipedia entry? Oh, the click, 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 click. I've downloaded everything. Oh, I've absorbed it all. Okay, next. You know, <laughs> like whoa. <laughs> Like a course of like that was ten minutes so that all happened. Anyway. I listened to some of it while I was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I absorb it faster. Than yeah, it's way. totally like this. <laughs> um, speaking of listening to things, hey, while you you're hopefully not sleeping, stuff? let's uh, let's, let's hear some more music. Let's play some music. This dick has an iPhone. He knows how to use it. All right. Well, that remains to be seen, but uh, we'll we have faith. <laughs> Thank you. 
go. All right, we are back. There was a very interesting offline discussion about Philip K. Dick, the exegesis, and... Uh, by the way, you just, yeah, just in case you think you're getting the best of us you just listen to on this program, uh, you're circ- not. We say better stuff during the songs. Circum- circumambulation, and before that was Zulfikar. The, the first right. one, yeah. yeah, Zulfikar. yeah. And those are both off of uh, which record? Well, the first one's off of was off of First Grand Constitution Bylaws, and the second one was a seven inch that I bought at a show, but it's also on the. S- it's a compilation. Supreme Satellite. No, it's a Satellite. Satellite Supersonic. Supersonic, yeah. yeah. It's just okay. a compilation of 7-inch stuff. Nice. It was interesting. I bought those on that tour, and by the end of that tour, like those 7 inches were sold out. Do like, people ever get on. like... Cause you, you... It's, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good about... like You told me about the albums being for yeah, sale. I saw like, the vinyl. I was like, we were all over yeah, that. Yeah, I have to get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I was like... These two like, did it from their phones during practice. On vinyl? You can see the collection here. So I was like, wait, those are on vinyl? Like, I It's got to be a They really did do it on their phones during practice, too. And then it's not lying. Because we knew they weren't going to be around for very long. Yeah, totally. No, it's true. They come and then they're gone forever. I just pre-ordered the new two 7-inches and like I saw that, oh, the only one left is First Grand Constitution that's the only one left available now. Yeah, like it's, they, we have the last. Quick, actually, they're quick. in the car outside. The last ones. Ooh. Wow. Do you have well, a, I got uh, one here. Do you have mm-hmm. a full-length follow-up uh, planned after Book of Horizons? Anything? Well, there's Book of Souls that just came out, right? Like, is yeah. that going to make it to was... vinyl, or is it like? Oh yeah. Uh, when we do the the Folio B, which is the second part, um, or the completion of the Book of Souls record, okay. we're going to do a vinyl version of that one. Okay. That's yeah. But a lot of people want the the vinyl of that one, but I have to, you know, we're we're not doing that because I, we have this idea about having the whole Book of Souls be oh, okay. presented in vinyl. Nice. It it should be that way. Uh, so and then do you ever get because some stuff you've had that's had like the limited release, and then there have been like you know re-recordings of that later on. Have people uh, ever gotten like upset? There's there's people who do the non the, the, oh why don't I have this fetishistic item and now you there's a different version ah. wow well, that's that, a very angry at fetishists character that you just drummed up there there's more of them have around you seen their, you, his yeah, fans on the internet like, <laughs> fetish, yeah like yeah it's well the the funny angry thing fetishists would be the name of probably at least one band that's a fan of Secret Chief three yes exactly and it's it's or a maybe little a satellite I think band. a good cover band yeah. But you you said it yourself. You said it was a different version, which is what usually yeah. is the case. It's you know sometimes, for example, we did the Balance of the Nineteen. Uh, it's the first song on the the new record, the Book of Souls record. But we had done a seven inch version of that prior. As far as anybody knew, that was the first version. But that was recorded in two thousand five, whereas the version that's on the record, like the main version of it, we started recording on that in two thousand two. Oh wow! Okay, so, so there's like years of difference between them, and you know, I I could forgive anybody having dif- you know, of course, it's it's the first one they heard, so for them, it's the first version. For yeah. me, it's you know, the first and primary and really only version is the the one that made it on the record. The right. reason the one made it, uh, the the one that made it on the seven inch came out was because we were in the studio recording, and we captured basically a live in the studio thing that was cool. So I was like, hell, let's just put it out on the seven inch, and yeah, that'll, yeah, that'll yeah, be fun because we're playing the tune. Yeah, yeah. But for people, when they get bent out of shape, like, 
we've heard all of this music before. What is this, ah, this crap is shit? <laughs> like, you know, it's not going to, that doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not like it's exactly. And it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's not like it's a don't stand so close to me 86 sort of situation or anything well, along those lines. Yeah, well, I mean, one, one's a band basically in a in a garage the, uh, playing live. Every step you and take. Yeah, yeah, which is like, a, a totally, oh. that's a real thing. Like, oh, it is like every step. Day three uh, or four of the studio and everyone's comfortable. And it's like, yeah, like, yeah. oh, wow, that sounded fucking good. Like, like oh, did, know, we, did we capture that? Uh, keep it. You know, like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, and then the other one is something that I spent uh, more than a decade, you know, overdubbing <laughs> <trying> on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, yeah. And it got less things. likes on Facebook. <laughs> Fuck. For your more complicated songs, do you tend to write them on the computer and like piece them together like that? Or do you have, do they go through a lot of versions first where you kind of sketch them out and like get the general idea first? Like I'm thinking of something like uh, really complex, like Mamishka Mouse Quos or like uh, mm -hmm. none of them knew they were robots, like something like that. That's really intense like that, you know, that's got a lot of thought put into it and a lot of structure, but still really whimsical and, and crazy. Yeah, it's that's uh, a great opening track, by the way. Uh, the, uh, none of them knew they were robots. I, I was just, I was just thinking about that. that was, oh yeah, yeah. I, I like the placement of that. It's I'm a big song. fan. A big fan of sequence. No, second song. Second song. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, not op not the opening song. I mean, I like it early on. Like, yeah, I think sure. that it, the energy of it kind of sets a mood that, like, even though the rest of it doesn't follow that same tempo and, and progression, like, I think it's it's perfectly placed. Like, yeah, I think I, it lands better where it's at. Yeah, sequencing. I'm, I'm also a big fan of. Did you sequencing. did you do that on purpose with Sweet Charity like as a band? Because I remember it, it, off you know off mic when we were listening to music. I told you, you know, like I grew up in a small Alaska town. And it was hard to find you know the bungle stuff. And when California came out, it was like oh my god, there's a new bungle. Album. Oh my like, god, yeah, I it, you know, like, yeah, like I was like you know the, the first the in my first crowd time. to get it. You know, like and I remember like oh get, and the first get, time like, you hear I gotta Sweet listen Charity. to it. Like yeah, and like yeah, you like <laughs> did you plan them for every like fan to like look at the the thing like wait what. Is this the right band? What? Wait, is it another band <laughs> called Mr. Bungle? What is this? What the fuck is this? Like, it's, like, because it's such a divergence, you know. Like, like I mean, think of the 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 generation just before you when they put on uh, the Disco Volante record. They're expecting yeah, what funk metal? Totally. Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember getting and that first song that. is so daunting too. It's just like <laughs> I see. For me, yeah. Disco Volante was first because I had them both in my hand and I went and I was like. The decline. I don't want Disco Volante because I, I was a heavy weed smoker. Then I'm still heavy, but like then I was like a you know young heavy weed smoker. And I was like, this is gonna. <laughs> but be I was younger then. The thing is, to answer your question, like honestly, it it would be too much work, uh, you know, to to do something like Sweet Charity and have its only purpose be to freak people out that you know, oh my totally. God, is this the same band? Uh, obviously, no. I mean, the music or the the song stands on its own. I mean, it's an I mean, amazing you, song, you know, like but. But it, it is true also, yes. Uh, we were um, quite happy with the idea of turning the corner. That's what we always do. You totally. know, we always did totally. that. And doing, doing you know, you can get a lot of credit for doing, you know, a, an adventurous avant-garde record like Disco Volante, you know. But then isn't it, I think the cur the corner that we turned with with California was was bolder. In, it's in like a, a lot big of ways. pop record. Totally. It's, it's in the yeah. best possible totally. sense of the term. Totally. It's like, oh, here's right. like, what if we apply these same yeah. principles that we've, learned and, and honed as a band and applied that to like just making really weird catchy pop music yeah it is actually really like i can't listen to not li i can't listen to air conditioned nightmare and not smile once it gets to like the you know, like once the bop 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 starts you're just like 
Yeah. It's almost yeah, like, like a preconditioned response. So it is. It is a very no, like it almost because it's so like it's just so happy. It is very. You're right. Like it is. It's it's interesting that yeah, the corny. Yeah. How how often do you sing along with that bop 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 when that comes on? <laughs> Every fucking <laughs> right. time. So how's it feel being a shameless manipulator, Trey? Well, <laughs> I mean, to, it, what you're responding to is the is the Californian sound, and you moved sure. to California. Yep. Mamas yeah. and the Papas, yeah. the Beach Boys. Yeah. I remember being really shocked by Sweet Charity, but then ended up like loving that song later you know the first time i heard it, it was just you know, i did have that big question mark above my head like yeah. what <laughs> i've heard do i like this and then eventually <laughs> i love this <laughs> you know that was the record i listened to the most that year i, I think it was it's from those times like I, i've learned to to have faith in the in the listening audience because i know it's always the first reaction oh, is always going to be weird and mm-hmm. the the good thing what i'm really thankful for is having you know um People who who will listen the second third time and then yes. realize that get something else their out impression of it. is you yeah. know their impression yeah. is those totally. people are the best seriously yeah. there's not enough of those people these repeat days. listeners <laughs> and that's that's one of the things I find so fascinating about your music is we it's, love you. it's very deep like that I can always listen to it and get something new out of it the you know the more I listen to it the not it doesn't get boring I always can come back to it not know? me give me three lessons I got it <laughs> <laughs> I got this oh yeah right. <laughs> So for something, I mean, it seems like, and there was a lot of like kind of interesting calculated production decisions as long as we kind of moved into talking about that record. Mm. You know, something like along the lines of uh, on Retro Vertigo, where the, where there's you know it's kind of it's it's very subdued and kind of like it, 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 there's a there's a tension to release, but like it's like when the drums come in, it's like that crazy like huge like could not be more huge sounding. Ah, like yeah, yeah. giant stomping drums. It, it seems like that was a very like let's just make this as. Like widen this out as much as possible. Was that was that something that was in your mind? Or Absolutely. Uh, we we had the tracking room uh, at Brilliant Studios, which is uh, of course now defunct, but in right. San Francisco on the Toma, really incredible tracking room, the best. Um, so what we did is we t- we we key gated the the snare drum and the kick drum so that the, it would basically get rid of um, you know you you, you multi track and have a, a an a dedicated track just for the snare reverb and just for the kick drum reverb. That's just the room, but it's gating on a slope, so it cuts out all of the oh. other reverberation. And it's a slow oh, wow. enough beat that you can do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it wouldn't work if it was like a busier. If no it was way. a busier drum beat, there's no way that it would just sound huh. bizarre and like yeah. in a bad way. And you can hear where where it's not perfect. Like when he hits a couple cymbals on the downbeat, you know, it's we had to duck those manually and do do a bunch of weird stuff to oh, keep that from oh, okay. jumping out. But I think it is the fact that it's organic uh, reverberation. Uh, I mean, albeit slammed one hundred percent through an LA two A, but still, it's or- organic. Yeah, reverb. That, that's what makes it sound heavy uh-huh. like that. Well, totally, and the, it's it's definitely like in line with the sort of like the, the theme of the record and how those songs came together. And as far so as far being like an operating functional songwriting unit at that point, what what did change? Because that because you had done this thing for a while. Then done like the, you know this other more different thing, and then you kind of were getting to the point yeah, where everyone was doing different things yeah. and you know coming back and like like what how did you take like what you learned doing things like getting into like you know what would become secret chief stuff and things along those lines and taking taking that back and like what what do you think was the coolest discovery? Yeah, it's it's it would be everybody would answer that question differently in the band. I think that the well, we want to hear your answer because you're here. So mine was definitely production stuff. I, I definitely, you know, had been obsessing I, before and and after Disco Volante had just gotten completely obsessive about record production, and so California for for me, you know, was a um, 
a, a chance to go completely, completely haywire with um, it was complete analog production. There was no digital involved with any of it, other than the uh, you know, the flying fader system. Right, <laughs> when oh, you wow. can't you can't quite do all twelve at once, so you have <laughs> the uh, yeah, the automation. Which even so, it ended up being we had to go down to L.A. to mix the record at a place called Soundcastle because it was the only place that had yet a another of your many castles. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Dick Castle. <laughs> There were Castle Dickhead. I actually think that that record is. I, I hope that somebody would speak up if if this is untrue. But as far as I'm aware, it's the only uh, record where three Studer 24 track tape machines were linked to, together, and they were all actually controlled by a, a, a crappy uh, ADAT. Oh no! That's funny. I was just no sitting kidding. here thinking That's of awesome. wow, really. I was I was sitting here thinking of like you answering a. Like I remember reading an interview you did years ago, like like on like on my very much less than smartphone. Like oh shit, there's a trace point. Oh, like and re- I and believed you, you called it the you, intelligent phone. It's not smart. Uh, it's intelligent. It's intelligent. But like and you you said that was the last great analog album. Like that, I think like, on that scale, it was a it like, was the last huge analog. Yeah, production. it's just one of like yeah because it's just not done that way anymore. No way. I like, mean, I would never do it that way again yeah. either. It's a, <laughs> well, it's absurd. It's I mean, uh, if, if you think about anything other than the fact that we're going to do this absurd thing, like it's like why would you put yourself through that much work? Yeah. It was it was definitely a limit pushing thing, but limit pushing in the production more so than the adventurous like weird dissonant music thing. But you know, why not? so everybody was completely down with with pushing that envelope right. as far as we could go. And live too, you guys always like took those songs to a new level live. Every time I saw it, it was like the shows sure, were always a little bit different. I think I saw you guys like two or three times on that tour, and it was always different. So, yeah, yeah. What was it like translating that into a live environment? Was that because some, some of that stuff seemed like it would be like, oh, that's going to be easier. Like you're like playing playing down almost, and some of it's like, oh no, why the fuck did we do this? This was yeah, it's like, why did <laughs> we write this part like this? <laughs> this is insane. Like, exactly. what, were we, what were we fucking thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I should, I could show you the track sheets from the recording. They're not that much different than the uh, the layout for the the samples that we had. To, we we sampled some of our own stuff, like ensemble gotcha. stuff that we couldn't do. Mm. It's all key triggered samples, so there's nothing. There's no sequences or anything. But there's three different people playing keyboards. So we're playing live keyboard stuff, a combination of live keyboard and oh, areas oh, wow. of, of sampling. And for those that cannot see Trey, he's uh, doing a keyboard thing with his hands. There's <laughs> claw one and claw two. <laughs> and it's you get it so would, like playing and then sampling and playing along to the sample, like well, yeah, or like, like sampling parts that there's no it. way that yeah we're yeah, triggering yeah, totally. samples. Yeah. Yeah. And when you have three people that can that can trigger, you basically I had to divide up zones on the keyboard. <laughs> So that they're on three different giant 88 key keyboards, so that the three people who are playing that, you know, switching off between doing either guitar or percussion or keyboards, there would always be somebody who could could cover, you know, there's always usually two or three people playing keyboards. Um, and those keyboards would either be live keyboard parts or triggering samples on weird, odd times. Oh, wow, know? wow, okay. So it's really that's, complicated. That's, that's, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah, and it was all synchronized so that we had to have lines of have sight. A, uh, yeah, have totally, a George like, Foreman yeah. grill I've, making a grilled sandwich funny, like, at the same time. I was, just, <laughs> I've, uh, I was unfortunately still in Alaska during that tour, but I've, I've seen some of the live footage, and yeah, I've seen like yeah, like the people that are backstage are working the hardest almost, like because they're like switching between uh, like three or four different. There's a guy hang, like holding a guitar that was playing keyboards like at one point. Like, that's our, yeah, so, like, that's our, our our keyboardist James Rotundi. Like he he was he was our our main keyboardist, and there's bear playing percussion and flute and keyboards and saxophone and then i was playing guitar and keyboards and then Patton was doing like sound effects in a different a completely different contained keyboard setup with more kind of like you know minimal parts 
Um, but that's, so four people had keyboards and samples going on that tour. And so all of that had to be coordinated and orchestrated. Jesus. Yes. How do you, you don't step on each how, other? <laughs> I was gonna say, how do you, how do you explain this to the sound man? Like, all right, sit down, son. No, you bring one. <laughs> it's gonna be your own sound man. At that point, you just fucking. Bring yeah, it, you man. have to bring your own. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yet somehow people think Motley Crue is cool. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and there was even some uh, like, what was that? Uh, Snowcore was it? Was that like what? How in the name of fuck did that come to be a thing? That was <laughs> yeah. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> can, can you? Is it like the like the Warp Tour for snow? Exactly, yeah, kind of yeah, thing, exactly. right? Okay, that that's that's probably the best summation you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. well, and who, what are the, what were some of the other bands that, that you were paired with? I, I remember it was it was like a murderer's row of shit I didn't care about. It was there was Incubus and <laughs> wow. System of a Down. That's yeah. right. Wow. Yeah, that, yeah, that was great. It was it was weird. There, Do you have anything queued up for that, Connor? It was actually them who got us on the tour because uh, System of a Down. I, I can't remember whether, whether it was them or Incubus. Probably <clears> System it was, of it was, Down. I don't know. I, would, I want to say it was Incubus because I had listened to their first two albums, and on their first album, they like have heavy praise for Bungle. Like, so it may have been Incubus. Like, but just... the System of a Down guys were big fans were they too. too? Yeah, yeah. So Makes we were sense. like, you yeah. know, we're this weird old band that they're dragging on tour. That... I think, I think, I think there was another band too. You fucking kids. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I think there was another band. You guys have heard of a little band oh, yeah. called Dream Theater, <laughs> right? They were Dream not... Theater jumped on that tour. They, no, no, it was Dream. Dream <laughs> I don't think Dream Theater ever got big in the snowboard scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been dying to play that drop all, all show. By the way, <laughs> I've just been looking. I'm like, fuck, I love that drop. I, it's so good, man. Because I never say anything funny on this show. I'm usually too busy fucking <laughs> operating the, the 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 space console over here. And like, <laughs> Yeah, I've I've remained like uh, unbelievably ignorant of Dream Theater. I don't think I've ever even heard them. <laughs> That's fine. You're not really missing out. <laughs> it, it's. Yeah. I have. I couldn't hum you a tune, but I I I worked at a music store, like instrument. Very store clinical. In it sounds the 90s, like a... <laughs> and it was. Uh, it was very like that's be one of the bands I just I fucking know about like because of that. It's, it's just it's just really clinical. It's it's, it's prog, but like with no with no troll soul. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> paint by numbers. Soul. Paint by numbers prog. It, it sounds yeah. like a music teacher's ponytail, and we'll just leave it at that. Okay, I, I hear you. I hear you. The best I can say about <laughs> I really it. Really hear you. <laughs> a, pony, a ponytail and a vocoder. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, it's they pretty use rotten. vocoder really. They used a lot of vocal processing, <laughs> but not necessarily vocal. It's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're weird enough for a vocoder. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to spend the interview time talking about it. <laughs> but, but also, we can. <laughs> but we also yeah. could. So right. you're playing like with could. Incubus and System of a Down and bands that... Oh, at Snowcore. At, well, yeah, at Snowcore. What was the audience Snowcore like for that? Was it just that's like, what I was going to ask. It's like, what the? What does that look <laughs> like? What were, what were the venues? Yeah, it was weird. Because uh, uh, I actually bought tickets to that, and I decided like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah, yeah. And I really wanted to see you guys. I'm like, ah, I don't think I can do I it. I would have done it. You're a douche. You should have sent it to me. In retrospect, I, I would have. Flown me down. <laughs> it, it, I was really out of touch um, with the whole kind of MTV stuff at that point. You know, I'd been As you should have. I mean, it, I well, just let me say you missed out on some great stuff. Marcy Playground, that's a jam, man. It, actually, did uh, after the snow court, Marcy Playground, uh, their representatives asked to open up for Mr. Bungle. Are you, you whoa, fucking really? kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. You heard it here wow. first. And they were going to pay us. 
You get, like, <laughs> please, please let please us play. We'll pay you. <laughs> Holy shit, that is a nice. band desperate for some cred. Isn't wow. that weird? I mean, I remember Fucking their song. Mercy uh, Playground. We did Sex and Candy. It's cool. It's cool, guys. That is I'm gonna, a band. Uh, like, um, I don't, I'm don't think I've ever consciously listened to the Mercy a wild, Playground. wild turn here. Uh, <laughs> uh, how Can't did self lucky Mimicry Records get started? Was it basically like a fuck it, I'm going to put my own shit out, or was it like... No, there's actually a very tangible, direct answer to that. We're, Secret Chiefs was on Amarillo Records before mm. that, which is Greg Turkington's uh, yeah. now-defunct label. And uh, when he, he just decided to, to, to not have a record label anymore, and when he did that, Revolver USA in, in San Francisco, uh, they have this sort of artist-curated label idea. This is like 97. They're really ahead of the time on this thing. So uh, they asked me if I wanted to do that, if I wanted to, you know, I wouldn't have to do all of the, you know, heavy legwork yeah, the, of the running. Yeah, the grunt work of right, doing right, it. Right, you know. So for that reason alone, I was, uh, yeah, that's, I jumped at it. It you was just, really good. You just kind of get to do the cool stuff and find some rad shit to put out into the world. I mean, I was yeah, already. Sounds okay. I, w- I was familiar with this model because at Warner Brothers, they had explained to us, you know, we, we were, uh, Mr. Bungle, when we were, um trying to figure out how to fit onto Warner Brothers Records. Um, you know, you're looking at all the different subsidiaries, so-called Slash Records, totally. Sire Records, oh, yeah. Reprise. But there there were no subsidiaries. I mean, they, they just... Is it Reprise? I thought it was Reprise. Maybe it's Reprise, but uh, I think it the word is Reprise. Matter. I'm not sure. Um, Semantic, guys. But you guys were still on the regular Warner label. We, though, we right? went on yeah. straight Warner because yeah. we learned that, uh, you know, it was, you know, like Sire Records was just Howie Klein. They fired the whole team. And he just got to handpick music, mm-hmm. you know. Did right. you guys have a choice that. in that, or how did that work? Did it was a strange, long, weird negotiation that just ended up in this. We ended up in the no man's like, land. Like we don't know where to put you, so we'll just put you on the main label. <laughs> yeah, like the, the label of Frank Sinatra and Black Sabbath doesn't yeah. sound too bad to it's, me. It's yeah, the same. Totally. same yeah. It's the same with it's the same with the Belvins ended up in Atlanta. It's like what the wait, fucking really? How did yeah. that happen? I can't complain. I mean, it ended up being great because we got uh, a bunch of really nice recording budgets out of the deal but we got no money of course because yeah. you know it's it's sharecropping you're not meant to get any money right. yeah. Oh. yeah but there's no complaint there because really that that exposure the the totally. the the huge huge ridiculous album budgets that you have to spend is the only reason that those records were made. Yeah, you get yeah. to do all the absurd things that you're like, hey, why don't we just do this? Okay, yeah. cool. Done. Yeah. Did they back yeah. you on like Disco Volante? Were they still behind that by that point? Or was that they like, wouldn't, really the, weird for the, them? The whole time we were on the label, they wouldn't let us off the label because they didn't spend any money on us. Huh. And there was enough of a fanatical following that they, when the accountants would look at it, you know, like, oh, no, we got to keep no, it. No, it, it made sense because, yeah, because it's a, it's a prestige this band is thing to be like, it makes up for 20 Marcy Playgrounds to have a Mr. Bungle. Well, we didn't make them any money, but it if looks you look good at it, on a resume. No, yeah. but that's what I'm saying is that, like, that the, the idea is that, like, okay, maybe there's a band that's going to be influenced by Mr. Bungle, but oh, maybe they'll be more commercial and they'll be the next Nirvana, but they'll want to sign with us because we have Mr. Bungle. I, I, I mean, th- it's a total I, ladder climb. No, I, I actually think that it's very simple. At, at that time, the, the, the record companies were literally run by accountants they, and just they had, that you that they got like rid of i mean when we when we got signed to the the label it was lenny warnke was the president who's a producer of, of captain beefheart he was in a really yeah. weird band called harper's bazaar and he told us flat oh, you're not going to meet anybody at this at this uh at this in this organization that's going to help you nobody understands what you're doing you know forget all of that just try to you know, take the budgets, do something interesting with it, and try to survive. But he was behind you guys. He he understood. He was that cool. Since he, yeah, he nice. gave us a good, a good. That's, talk a, that's some real talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was the say, Harper's yeah. Bazaar. Yeah. Didn't they do Feeling Groovy? Was that Harper's Bazaar? 
Did feeling groovy? I don't feeling know. Feeling groovy. I got I got one of their records out of yeah. No. He w- it also had Ted Templeman, the oh, producer yeah. of Van Halen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's weird because and the Doobies. Yeah. But after you know after that, then Disco Volante. Yeah, we're figuring. Well, we're going to get dropped from this this label. They're not going to want this. Right. But by this time, all the yuppies had come in. It was literally run by accountants, and wow. they look at us, and it's in it's in the black. It's fine. They look at Mudhoney, who they overspent money on, and right. they drop them. Like, huge bands are dropping them. <laughs> right. And w- us, like this weird, crazy avant-garde band, they're like keeping us on the label and not letting us leave. It was unbelievable. And you're putting out even weirder, a weirder second record. <laughs> yeah. It was it was like that the whole time. There Nobody there really got it. We met one guy, uh, a, a good A&R guy who, were, who was our, our friend there, but he never worked for us. And he gave us all kinds of advice how to handle the situation, which was very helpful. But nice. yeah, it's that's nice to have people to help you navigate those shark infested waters. For Absolutely, sure. that uh, leads to a follow up question of mine. Like, how do you pick the bands that go on the Mimicry Records? Then, like, like how do you? I mean, yeah, the whole reason we got on this subject is because basically I, I was like <laughs> Howie Klein uh, at Warner Brothers, just a figurehead. Uh, I'm just picking bands and Revolver's doing all the shipping Fuck and it. receiving and all the Fuck receipts right. and all that. It's not that simple. We actually do have to do a bunch of work. But um, hmm. the the criteria for for selecting bands for for mimicry has always been the same. It's been bands that are self produced, self motivated. Um, I, I guess the easiest example locally to talk about would be Sleepy Time Gorilla that's Museum. A, that, yeah, that's yeah. funny because yep. that's what that was the crossed out question. I was like, how did you find out about Sleepy? But then I was like, well, how do you find out about all the bands? You know? Yeah, well, kind of operating like, in like the same sort of like what I would call the what the <clears> fuck <throat> element of like the first time you see them, they're like, what the wow. What the what? Yeah, they're, what? They're, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In yeah, a good totally. way, yeah, yeah. And, and like, and that's coming from someone that like you know I was really an idiot flesh too. Yeah, because the question first was, time I saw them, like, was oh. did, like, did you know about them beforehand? And like, oh, let, we, like as soon as we have the budget, let's get them on. You know, like, or was it like a kind of like, oh, like the, you know, like we we have the budget to like add them, or not not even budget wise, just kind of like, it, yeah, we never had any budget. A CD or something, or like you know, like did you see them at a show? Or you know. I, I yeah, I'd seen them a bunch. I, I um I've toured them. them too. Yeah, we I, toured I, with them yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, like once once we were on the label, but like we had Carla. Carla played uh, violin on California. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, yeah, yeah. So we knew, you know, we knew we were aware of the each circle, other. Yeah, 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 circle of musicians. Yeah. But I, they also, you know, they had their own arrangements. They they had different record labels that they had worked with. But the time that uh, that came when when Mimicry ended up putting up out their record, it was. It was advantageous for them because they had uh they already had the completely perfect DIY, you know, sort totally. of work ethic, most, you know, ass busting band in the world. Right. Completely self contained, completely self produced, absolutely the perfect band for, for mimicry. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's it's yeah. great for like, yeah, this is cool, like ah, here you go. Do what you want. Very comfortable like, in their own thing. aesthetic and yeah, definitely totally. have their own vision. whether anyone else is along with the ride or not, they have their thing and they're gonna do it. And it, it's yeah. And and the most yep. important thing is also just no illusions about you know there's a lot of there's a lot of naivete among musicians about what the workload is you know <laughs> right yeah right and what's involved uh, with that with you know producing we're gonna go on and, tour and play some fucking crazy shows and it's gonna be awesome <laughs> we'll get famous it'll like, be so great yeah yeah <laughs> and it's with, without any of the actual desire to do the work to do any of those things yeah yeah right so I mean with sleeping time you've got like two giant he men heaving stuff around all over the place and totally capable musicians all the way around yeah. the thing it was uh, that was you know an absolute pleasure there have been a few other things like that that have been on the label that have, that are as well-rounded as that um and then 
some things where it's more like you're you're doing it because it's a record that needs to be heard. And, and no, it's, no one else is gonna. No yeah, one's gonna put it out. No one's gonna put it out. So it's always <laughs> bands that don't have a home, but they've done something totally extraordinary. Yeah. And that's maybe why they don't have a home is that it's like it just doesn't fit in any yeah, of the totally right. yeah. that's correct. It's not in this box. Yeah, Sorry. that's exactly it. Which is even a real thing, unfortunately, You're in the world. You're good. We just don't know who to pair you with. We'd really like to <laughs> right. bring you on, but we're just good. Uh, like even, even in the world of, of independent can't music. can't quite find a genre label for you. <laughs> and all that, an avant-garde and whatnot. Yeah, you, you end up like, oh, well, it doesn't quite sound like, you know, it should sound more like a you know, mixer like this and that. And then, then we can... We'll know what to do. Well, I don't, if it did, then it wouldn't be this thing, which is the thing that we're trying to do. So fuck off. It's also it's a suicidal uh, position for a record label to take too, because you know if a band does well, normally what what a label would do is want to hold on to them. Totally. But for for me, it was you know these are my friends and they're you know also extraordinary musicians that I support. So if they find something better or can do you better, want them to do well, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to hold on to it. <laughs> but then again, that's like okay, well, the band, the label's just going to break even forever. That's the best we could ever hope for. Right. That's it, and that's and it believe me, it doesn't even go get there. It doesn't get that good. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. It's like <laughs> that's not a bad place to be though. You know. But like, it's also it's like you know, if I we mean, got to zero, if 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 I was consistently at zero, I'd be a, a much happier person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, would a lot of people. Ain't that the, ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Heard about that. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 kind of all the same thing. You can say the same thing about a band, you know. As long as you're keeping it sustainable and getting to do what you want to do, then it's sort of like okay, this enterprise is, is worthy of doing it just for the sake of doing the thing. Again, I have to credit the the listeners because we have no money to do like promotion campaigns and stuff like that. But there's a lot of people who who notice this that this is what we do and they they return and check out what we're doing put in the work and yeah yeah that's that's and to your credit like you know you know definitely with secret chiefs it is the you know like i've played it for a wide swath of people like as you can you see i have the collection of people okay what do you put this on put this on put this on and like it it definitely gets a lot of people like it's it's it like we were speaking to earlier like you yeah you get skinheads and you get like the very you know jazz aficionados and you get like a lot of it hits on a lot of, of <coughs> parameters for people. You know? it, it, it makes it, all I sorts like of parameters. So like that. my girlfriend's mom loves it. You know, my wife's mom. Why am I saying my girlfriend? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, what's uh, up, impending dad? Better <laughs> fix yeah, that uh, grammar. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stays in. But yeah, I mean, like you know, it covers like you know so many different people. You know, you can play it for a lot of different people, and they you know can appreciate it. I've been thinking about how recently how it is. It's you know when we think about the thing of what what eclectic is, you don't really find eclectic in in one person so much, sometimes. But it is this thing where when it's people with differences and they can actually be in the same room together and totally. agree on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, when it comes to the eclectic people, I've been thinking, I've been realizing that when it comes to at least like Secret Chiefs audience, it's uh, I would think of them as sort of autodidact type people. Nice. You know, it, they're 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 not just eclectic. They're somehow tuned in and really motivated totally. and passionate about yeah, something. Yeah. You know, I love that. That that's like one of the very few positive things I have to say about all of this. Just that's a good way of describing. it. Well, that was good. Uh, <laughs> like you say, like it, I don't, it I don't was, know that we were so dialed into the scarcity issue. <laughs> but. No, it, like it's like that you had fucking like me, like some kid in some small Alaska town that was like so yeah. tuned in, yeah, tuned on to like Bungle that I got exactly what was going on in Secret Chiefs when I picked yeah, it up. Yeah. You know, like and it's. I mean, thank God for that. It's really, yeah, yeah, really. It's I mean, you're maybe thing. not reaching millions of people, but the thousands that you do reach, it means a lot more too. And yeah, then they yeah, be, they become totally. kind of part of this. 
secret there's a secret language that almost comes with like the secret language of being in the band that like oh there's a secret language of being a fan of this kind of music and like you know it it means more than and say Marcy Playground. But well, it's really you, weird because you deal with you actually end up dealing with this um, the kind of psychotic fan syndrome as much as the like, huge bands though because I, of because of totally right they yeah. Yeah. totally. <laughs> And I've seen him right. like, and I'm and I'm I'm a huge fan, but I and I've seen people like, wow, you are a, you must be a bigger fan than I do. And like, like you, you know, birth dates and like you know, star signs and shit. Like, wow. And do like, you I, get like, like do you get people coming up to you like just want like like so I've got these scrolls about the numerology oh, yeah. and like I just I need you to like just connect from here to here and yes and, and I mean to it, the listening audience, I was unrolling a scroll that I was pointing <laughs> the two numbers to. I'm, I have mixed feelings about that because it's very elegant. Yeah, well, it was Thank a very you, graceful Evan. movement. That's true. Uh, I have definitely mixed reaction about it because there's there sometimes there's people who who really get some of this stuff because you know I, I put a lot of weird you know I shouldn't say weird about myself. I don't but think it's it, weird. It, it, I, it, I follow a a, a a you know a trail of breadcrumbs that's very specific, and it's remarkable because sometimes you find people who who speak that language very very fluently. Right, and it wouldn't happen any other way than if they came up and told you and showed you that kind of stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. But then there's people who follow a completely different set of breadcrumbs and uh, and and are convinced <laughs> that that's the, your. No, this trail. is a fucking right, loaf right. of bread right here, man. This is like <laughs> this is, I'm holding on to your loaf of bread right here. Don't you see? Don't you see? <laughs> are we gonna have toast like, or what? I'm holding this bread, uh, and then it, then it becomes like you know you you led them down the wrong path. Yeah, and, totally. And pretty soon, you know, you're responsible. It's like a double edged sword. You've got some. You've got a lot of loyal fan base who are really into doing whatever you do, but then also you've got the kind of other extreme of that where people just like go over the top. I have to tr- f- always <laughs> find that that fine line between you know appreciating how much attention is paid to it on that level, and then knowing at where some point distance yourself it turns, <laughs> right right you have yeah, to discern no, it, yeah. you know. no one to walk away and no one to run speaking of the music speaking of walking away let's and running. play some uh, let's play some more of it <laughs> so the listening audience can become the super fan that we're talking about
<laughs> there we go. Blaze of the Grail. Blaze of the Grail. So what's a good amp for a Saws? <laughs> I haven't found the right amp yet. Oh, really? I'm, I'm using a Rivera that I bought actually from uh, the guitarist from MirthCon, which is so far the best one. But yeah, I don't, I don't really know, man. I, you know, I'm not really a gear guy. I don't really know. Hmm. Yeah, didn't you say something like like uh, I, I thought I saw something? It might have been on, on uh, the interview you did with Mark Prindle like years ago that like when you did the King for a Day, like you like, borrowed a guitar. Yeah, it was my roommate's. Uh, it was like a <laughs> really. You remember <laughs> the, like Seville or Sevilla guitars? Seville, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Seville. Yeah. yeah. Me and uh, me and Shane disagree on this one, but that's my favorite Faith and More album. And I I knew that and I that's think I'm not, on his I, side. Like <laughs> I, I that's I knew that I like, I like that was I had lot, that before I knew you were on the album. I'm not that's <laughs> not just me like He's not just ass kissing here, ass. Like, yeah, I'm not just like no like but that is like that is actually legitimately my favorite Faith More album. Like, I thought we were doing this podcast to get late. Is that, <laughs> when did I is say that? You didn't want to when did I say that and why? I didn't mean to trigger that. Is that true you didn't want to tour with them? No, no, that uh, it's funny. Like, uh, okay, well, this is another (laughs) another big long story. But yeah, the Seville guitar (laughs) is actually part of it. Uh, I bought some equipment for the recording, and you know they they gave me like a kind of a budget, but I wasn't really officially a band member at that point, so it was really just my money as far as I knew. And and to to give context for people that don't necessarily know the story, uh, this the band Faith No More. This is a a third. Third record. Most people listening third with, know the story. With, with Mike, Mike. Patton. yeah. Third with Mike, Patton. and yeah, the 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 sort of I- iconic guitar player of of note had been canned. Had been Trendone canned. Jim Martin. Yeah, mercilessly canned. <laughs> mercilessly. Um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it it was so you know my my uh, presence in the band was pretty indeterminate at the time that we were rehearsing stuff and everything. You know, I was totally down. To, to do the record and, and work with them and have a future with with them. But Mike had, had also uh, told me that he didn't think it was a very optimal situation. It wasn't a good situation for for me. And I think he was talking about like really for anybody in a way because just, things were just dysfunctional changing. in the band. Or? Things were just okay. dysfunctional. And they, they were. It was a hard time for but them. How do, how do you, just, it was just a kind of stressful. Yeah, there was just, there were so many different, like who knows which crossroads you know, is it to go left is it go right kind of situation. Or? It was there. There's just a lot of when you're when you're on that level, you know, when when it's that huge of a of a band, as far as the the public and the record labels and the manager management, all the people working. There's a lot of different pressures that are kind of hard sure. to imagine for the rest of us. Well, because yeah, because there's actually me. you you have people's livelihood dependent upon what you're you know what this fucking thing you're 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 jamming out on how well people like it. To yeah. A certain degree, yeah, you know? and you know these are very capable musicians who know you know they have a good strong identity within themselves, but it's you know they they just axed their guitar player. There there's other personnel issues. They're kind of not agreeing on a bunch of stuff. So you know my my job is to basically stay out of it. And every time I hear <laughs> what <laughs> what is this That's you know healthy. That's if cool. if the drummer's telling me you know this song the guitar should be like this. You know, it should be like ACDC. You, you have some big shoes you got to fill. You know, big big Jim Martin. He has big boots. You know, you got to have some balls. And then you talk to Billy, the bass player. He's like, you know, this is kind of a 
we want to go with kind of a more smooth sort of R and B sound with this one. <laughs> this wildly conflicting you like know. requests and requirements from different it's parties, true. which it, kind it, of reflects the personality of that album. But, actually, and this is what I, yeah, this is what I like. It was a musical. It is an challenge, interesting you know? album yeah. for sure, and there's yeah, some like totally. cool, cool and really different guitar playing on it. It, it so was it's, it's, it was a bunch of solutions to a bunch of riddles, you know, and that that was cool. <laughs> that's that's great right. way of fucking putting uh, it. That's that's, that's, that's really, fucking awesome. That's awesome. Nice. Like, sounds like a guitarist figuring out solutions to speaking a bunch of fucking. Riddles. <laughs> riddles. Uh, there, there seem to be a lot of riddles going on within the the Secret Chiefs three. You know, like as far as like with the you know the albums that you're putting. Segway McGee and, over here. I, I was gonna, I was gonna say I was kind of wanted to hear the rest of that story, but that's. Uh, I mean, yeah, we can return to that. No more story. <laughs> well, I mean, the only place I was gonna go after that is that yeah, it was. Um, uh, it it wasn't an ideal situation musically. It was fulfilling because of you know having it's being a challenge. To, it's a it's a thing. Of the, that. And it's never. It, it's like a big platform too. Yeah, yeah. it was cool. And, and the fact, you know, like you said, you asked if it was a borrowed guitar. I didn't have any money. I was totally penniless. <laughs> wow. I had no money at all. <laughs> and you're like, cool, play on this record. It, that that was <laughs> weird. And then the weird, okay. the really weird thing is, you know, after, because, you know, I, I left, I quit as soon as we were done recording the record um, for a multitude of reasons. But we can just chalk it up to what Mike was saying in the beginning. It's not, <laughs> right. not a good situation really at all yeah. for anyone. So you got to see it firsthand and you're like, okay, I've had enough of this. <laughs> and to their credit, you know, I think they matured in their, at their approach to guitar player. And when they got John Hudson, it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. The guy's exactly the right guy for them. He's, He's a very versatile kind of, yeah, totally down to earth, totally, you know, workable, you know, uh, as a human being, you know, the, I, I Not don't a know dramatic that, character necessarily. Well, no. I don't think that they could have even survived if they hadn't found him. To be honest, that's my personal theory about it because mm-hmm. he's just you know, uh, he's he's a person who can gracefully walk in those shoes in that that weird ball of rubber band tensions pulling in 50 different directions <laughs> getting <Right>. wildly <laughs> conflicting instructions directions and requests right. from like all the people in the room yeah. Yeah. that's just great try real quick can you just make sure that whatever he said do exactly the opposite thank you <laughs> we need that smooth and ballsy please and uh, also I should smooth say smooth think- and ballsy <laughs> <laughs> yeah the velvet hammer smooth and ballsy <laughs> the, the trace hammer. ruins I heard the velvet hammer term a lot during that <laughs> but you know awesome. also I should should mention that you know I, I played with them since then and things are completely different you know cool. of course they're not under, under any of those strains anymore and everybody yeah, it's, it's, sometimes it's just a time and place yeah not the pressure yeah, the people, is, not the people themselves it, it, it can be uh, fun now like it, it's like you're, it's allowed to be the pressure's like, not just, the same that it once was uh, well yeah none, none of that had out. anything really to do with me I, it was the right thing to for, for the selfish thing for me the good thing for me was to be out of that situation. A lot of people have been like, you know, how could you do it? How could you quit this huge band? But it was easy. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, just like this, watch me. <laughs> it was pre-email, so I did it in like a, a, a voice conversation even. And Actually, just that's said, true. It was over like, the phone. That, that's true. You didn't take out a classified ad or anything? It was a- no, I didn't. <laughs> And everybody was Back fine. Page I mean, of it billboard. was. There was not a like. A, it was no spitting contests or anything. Nothing. Nothing horrible. But and then, then freed you up for Secret Chiefs three to to concentrate on that more. Then after that, right? Yeah, I mean, I was already doing kind of Secret Chiefs three stuff at that time, or at least conceiving it and working. But you on could the dedica- music. dedicate a lot more time to it at that point. I would to be totally honest, the Faith No More thing didn't really take up that much of my oh, time. Really? We, we 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 rehearsed like twice a week or something for a few months, and then going and recording the record but it wasn't that oh, okay. that demanding hmm. huh interesting huh. <laughs> that's great i mean if you compare secret chiefs eats up all my time it's yeah i was gonna say that's more of secret chiefs seems to be like more of a 
But your baby, though, you know, it's kind of a... It's an obsessive disorder. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was going to say obsession, yeah. but you said it first. Yeah. Speaking uh, <laughs> speaking to that, to the Secret Chiefs 3, like... Yeah, it, you, you want to re- revamp that segue? Yeah, then? like... Uh, uh, it, no, the, the segue I had before was pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to fuck it. I'll fuck it up if I try You're to... You're talking about anyway. the, the breadcrumbs, right? It's exactly what I was going to talk about. Puzzles. Uh, yeah, like, you talking about lamb's bread? And, like, and, <laughs> I'm curious about the puzzles, too. Well, like, <laughs> you you said you're just following breadcrumbs, and I remember, God like... Like, when I... When I was turning my girlfriend, uh, <laughs> turning my girlfriend on to Secret Chief Three, and she's she's Persian, you know, like, and she was like, she, she was listening to it, and like, and well, because what she said was like, who the fuck is Persian in this band, you know, like when mm-hmm. she was listening, mm-hmm. I was like, well, oh, I don't know that okay. it's that there's a Persian person in this band, or or if it's just that he went toward that. It, there, there's a certain meditative, metaphysical, like like thing that seems to be coming through, and like my question is, is was it a chicken or the egg? Like, did you, were you going toward that way in your like in your own life path? You know, like like studying that kind of thing, and then the emphasis was the music, or was it like you were interested in the music, and then that led you toward a lot of the symbology and mm. a lot of the. It's a good question because actually, it's uh, I I would have to admit it is uh, there is a huge Persian dimension to. Uh, to Secret Chiefs music, or at least the the influence of Persian philosophy more than the music. I was reading a lot of uh, Sorhavardi, who's a, 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 I guess they put him in the Neoplatonic tradition, Hmm. um, but it's not really accurate. Yeah, I'm not so sorry. I'm not a big fan either. <laughs> not, you're not into the peripatetics. I'm, I'm, I'm not so into <laughs> God damn it! What are you, Kalam theologian? What, what is it? <laughs> Things are getting a little highbrow for the old sorry. neutron <laughs> over there. I could I could hear Joe Sixpack tuning out, so I had to bring in the belch. <laughs> it was not meant to be on mic in any way, shape, or form. I'm very sorry. That's <laughs> all right. So you were actually studying the, the very the, very heavily. Stu- I was reading a lot of actually. There was a, a, a French uh, scholar Henry Corbin, who yeah yeah he he translated a is. whole bunch of stuff and yeah, he's brilliant. Like, yeah, he's a brilliant writer and philosopher in his own right. And from him, I was learning a bunch of uh, basically like missing links through things that were developed differently in Western the way Western mind has developed in you know throughout. The last thousand years, let's say, there there are a, a few of these strains from antiquity that went uh, were developed in a, fully developed in a, in a different context, like a parallel world. Um, a lot of the, I guess the the assumption for a lot of people is that you know, philosophy in the Islamic world ended about where scholasticism in the West began, which hmm. is uh, really really inaccurate, and uh, but. But that's because you have to look at the Persian philosophical tradition, um, which most people, I think, at least in mid-century, um, in in this country and European countries, were were mostly looking at uh, at Arabic philosophy or Arab world when they're talking about Islamic philosophy. And it's true there isn't a lot of philosophical material. But if you look I, at yeah, it's, it's kind of like the nine hundred pound gorilla in the room. It's like yeah, it, it, it's. It's kind of in the same way that the Romans have looked upon, like, oh, they created all this stuff. Like, well, they stole quite a bit of that, actually. And <laughs> so, so they were better at recording the history. And that's that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and, and Persians, I mean, Persian history is, uh, you know, is also a completely neglected field, even though some people well, here in Berkeley know about it. Yeah, know. I was about to say, like, at least in, in this part <laughs> yeah. of the world, it is like, like, yeah. and uh, like, Listen, I know about it because my, less my neglected here than in many places. I visit her family and stuff, and like, yeah, yeah. Like, not in yeah, the neighborhood but, of the you can't stop the signal studios, but. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's general, true. Yes. So for for me, uh, you know, discovering some of these philosophers like Mullah Sadra, Mir Damad, they they were answering questions that have have not yet been answered by Western philosophy, especially when you get into all the kind of you know, metaphysical questions opened up by Hegel totally. and all of this kind of stuff. So you know, I, I feel like, for example, Mullah Sadra should be required reading for anybody who's studying Hegel, and I can't believe that it's not. I can't believe that it's not. Uh, even talked about nobody even recognizes the name but anyway what this means for secret chiefs is that uh i i i was basically answering a bunch of questions for myself by reading these guys in other words they were answering a bunch of questions that i had about the metaphysical dimensions of of humanity and this kind of stuff what does it mean to be beyond to be beyond the the mountain cough you know like like what is it like like and and those kinds of questions like that come through in the music in a weird way like it seems yeah i mean i think with soravardi you have uh you have somebody who who can fully develop uh, a rational thesis who can you know who who is completely um sorry mountain cough is it river cough mountain cough yeah mountain cough yeah I think so, but there you go. Like, uh, sorry to to speak to like I know we're getting a little highbrow. Like, no, but like th- I think that's also like to speak to something we spoke of earlier. Like that's that's why you have like the hardcore fans that you do is because you you can you can bring the this symbology in it and you can actually like touch on these things and like anybody who wants to you know like the initiates of the mysteries you know like the eye, those who have eyes will see it. you know like like it's like oh shit like well, all me, of it. It's that, like, that, that's why I'm 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 owing this debt to Sorhavardi because he's a person who who had. You know, he wrote these things that are called visionary treatises, which are more like poetic or prose type of uh, explorations of different metaphysical themes. But it, you know, it's as if it's the two different hemispheres of the brain. He also fully developed rational thesis that are, in, in some ways, uh, unrelated to these visionary treatises. But if you if you look at it with a careful eye, you see that it's. It's, it's, a, it's, it's one like the one they one need each other. Yeah, the totally, two parts yeah. of the the two hemispheres of the brain completely need each other, and as an artist, that um, that solved a lot of these philosophical issues from kind of seeing kind of linking those things together. And yeah, that's, I say, absolutely build, yeah. building building yeah. your bridge between the two is, I think, one of the the great great things that everyone that goes through in life. Really. Absolutely, uh, yeah, absolutely, and to see it like so articulately worked out, and you know, that really inspired me a lot. And this is like nineties, I guess. So it, that's kind of the the, the launch pad. So you're wearing flannel while it happened, is what you're saying. What's that? You're wearing you're flannel while that happened. Lots of flannel, yeah. yeah, smoking tons of bong rips and just hanging out. Four four foot bong rips. To, you know, it's the nineties. <laughs> I had a stool to step up. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, it's, no, it's, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So it is like it was it was kind of a like you're saying one like I was just saying one to one correlation. You know, like it was like yeah, like. And it, it is a chicken and egg kind of answer for 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 yourself, you know. Like, but there's like a it, bunch of specifics. I mean, for example, the, the you know I mentioned the harmonic stuff. The the Persian music system called Dastga is uh, completely intertwined with, I mean, what we would now consider. Uh, we don't, you know, musicologists don't really know what what the Greek whatever Greek the word Greek means musical system of antiquity was, but the you can understand it philosophically if you accept that there's a, a practical dimension to music which is just applying stringed or tuned totally. or blown notes to you know to an right. instrument we can read the music but you know like well then there's do, a do theorist there's the like, theoria the the people who who actually have a, a, a theory of harmony so how, how to apply or how to make consonants and dissonances work how to make the things workable on instruments and ensemble settings and then there's this whole lost art that was 
at least in the medieval European world, it was still going for a while, which was the speculative or the, the reflective, the, the cosmologists, the people who were formulating theories of the cosmos and using music, not just metaphorically, but thinking of the ways that music might tangibly connect harmonically to the, to those cosmological ideas. In the Persian music system, this is this chain isn't broken. It's actually intact. Huh. So, wow, that's interesting. It, you know that that right there tells you something. For me, okay, I'm never, you know, I'm not Persian. I'm not going to learn the Radif. I'm, I, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't even sing one Persian tune. I got to tell you, I, I don't know anything yeah. about Persian music. Right. I mean, I know people who do, and believe me, I, I know nothing. <laughs> but the the foundation, the idea of of a, a harmonic system that does have a relationship it's speculative it's a, it's a reflection of of cosmic principles that are at least you know basic enough to be tangible and applied somewhere some of these fundamentals are you know it's just, it's as stupid and as simple as refretting a guitar to accommodate some of these harmonic relationships and changing the scale or uh, you know the yeah I mean, retuning, re, you know, changing your ear the way your ear has been conditioned uh, to you. hear everything. Okay. No, and you do get so used to the Western style of hearing the yeah. things that we've heard so many okay. times. All right. All right. But on the other hand, it is, it is such a strong conditioning. Yeah. yeah. But you got to hear too. I mean, in Secret Chiefs, it's not the only thing we do. I mean, I, no. I hear a lot of overemphasis from like super hardcore anti Orientalist types who are like, you know, the Western system is bullshit. It's completely destroyed people's, you know, it's. Their spiritual center is all disjointed and screwed from it, and you know, however, however that might be true, it doesn't help to just scream and yell about that all day long. <laughs> <laughs> but to be You're clear, disjointing my spiritual center even more by yelling about this. <laughs> to be know? clear, we are on the border of Oakland and Berkeley, and you do hear people yelling about those exact same. Oh, things. Oh yeah, believe me, yeah. <laughs> very close by. I'm, I'm very familiar with with, <laughs> with the area. Yeah, like, yeah. But with you know with the. You know, we for example, the seven inch we're just putting out, which is a, a a pipe organ adaption of Saint Sans Dance Macabre. You know, it's a very intricate, fully Western harmony. You know, really, really sure. dense Western harmony stuff. Like you know, Secret Chiefs is totally embracing of the of the Western harmonic tradition as well, and it's for the same reason. There's two hemispheres. You know, totally. it, it really always comes back to that. It, yeah. It, there's no really. Um, there's no real reason that these things have to be at war. Harmony, do you? They can sound good together. Also, yeah. I, I love, I love actually with the even when when you look at the what Heraclitus and these different, you know, the, the early uses of the word harmony, which which really means a bow, like the bow and arrow. You have the string pulling one way, the bow pulling the other way. They're going in opposite directions, and harmony is is completely dependent on that tension of, of things fighting each other. And harmony is the, the resolution, the flight of the arrow that results from the tension hmm. between opposites. To me, that's that's the definition of what Secret Chiefs is, is trying to do. It's a resolution hmm. between tension between opposites. They use that symbol at the, the gypsy bow, like kind of like the... the. That's actually an Arabic calligram. It's a, a mirror calligraphy for, with the word haq, which means truth. Which is the yeah. most graceful thing I've ever seen in my life. I yeah, it's, it. and it looks yeah, it's like yeah, it's pretty tight. You, I mean, it's not mine, believe me. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> but it's, but at the same time, like you, yeah, yeah, you did exactly what I expected that of that answer. It was it was perfect. It was like yes, there's like those books. I Way do have to, to read Mouse's more of those books. Like, <laughs> like you have because you have this amazing list of books that are on on the web of Mercury. Like, and I, I 
read. Oh, I need to update like that. The, That's like from 15 years ago. Yeah, I remember. Like, I still have the list that I wrote down 15 years ago when 50 I got Fifty Shades here. of like, Grey, going to throw in <laughs> like, there. Uh, I, still have, I actually still have the, like, the, the fucking... Breaking Dawn. Like, when I wrote it you down. Don't read, Mars, you don't have like, to read Twilight like, first. It's, it's fine. the library. You're like, fuck. Like, this, 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 this. I read one of them, and it's fucking amazing. You're like, <laughs> it is a chicken and an egg. Like, like it is, like, the, the music is an expression of, of the symbolism. Yeah, like, I understand it, what you're saying. It is, like, it's, it, you know, like, like... These like these I I it's, there's a way that Brian you know like describes it in one of his ambient records like and it, it doesn't do it justice because he says it's ignorable as it is listenable like mm, no it's perfect that, like it's music it's for like, airports it, it, like, yeah yeah he does a lot of music for airports and it's it's talking about like and I find that in a lot of Secret Chiefs music like if if you're willing to take the strides that this music is showing you to take like like they're there to take and it's very much that eye-opening the third eye-opening kind of like experience well, I, I want like, people to be able to just hear it like uh, to me the, the uh, and know, and I, a, I i feel that they do like i like because i know a lot of like radio fucking friends you know like like the, everybody they every, actually every, fuck every radio. musician it's, no no it's like, a fetish. no people that listen to the fucking radio like that's all they listen to is the radio and you can still play them secret chiefs three and they'll still hear it you know like they'll still be like oh wow this is great like this is you know like like and they get it for music you know like not like oh cool punk rock right or whatever you know like you know, it's like <laughs> Yeah, to to me, like it, I always consider it like a if a, if a person has to consult a whole bunch of references, you know, totally, then you're a failure as an artist. You know, if they have to have yeah. read an encyclopedia to understand <laughs> to, what you're doing, to understand why it's good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, this is good we've, because we've, on the first Bad Brains album, they did. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and to me, I, I love. I actually love it when people know nothing about. it. In fact, I, I've been thinking about like a. I've been. It's really distasteful to me because I have to do our own sort of press promotion stuff, and which I'm terrible at. That it, is it, distasteful. It, it, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, right. It sucks, <laughs> man. It sucks. But I've been realizing, like, from the responses that you get, the more the more random people are, the less they know about it. Yeah. The less they have any idea what's going on. The, the more I love their there's re no reviews. You know? Yeah, you the know, ones that have no like, prejudice like, or preconceived notions, yeah, you get the most ra like. We'll crazy. talk about that within the entity of our own band, and in a sense, it's like if we could just get somebody who doesn't know us as, or just has no frame of reference whatsoever to listen to this. You know, like like I wonder what they have to say about you know, like, yeah, you, and it's, it's you get the best insights from the people that don't, that actually lack that context and have to take it on face value, and, yeah. they, and they take whatever you know whatever they're getting out of it, and they they put it down in a way. It's like wow, I. Would not have thought of it that way, but that's kind of interesting. A lot of times, yeah, it's yeah. the most honest answer, you know, like that you'll get. It's like from like, people that it's not aren't a fan. By preconceived you know, like, they aren't and, like uh, Mr. It, who? I don't know, whatever. But this is good. You know, like I like it when because you know now now that I have friends who have kids, I, I get he's their a doctor. reviews. Doctor Who. Yeah, he didn't. Go, he got twelve years of medical school to be Mr. Who. Go ahead. <laughs> Do you ever hear, like a when a when children? Children are reviewing records. It's basically it's know, amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. There, there, so there's a fellow that he used to he used to be the editor for the East Bay Express, uh, and he, he the Radiohead came out with a new. It was Amnesiac, I believe, and I, there had been every Radiohead review possible, right? But he had he had the best idea that he he had a bunch of uh, third grade children listen to Radiohead Amnesiac and draw pictures of what they thought the music would look like, and it's fucking awesome. It's it's mm. so it's so cool and it's mm. like you know there's a there's like a guy hanging himself like over a tree <laughs> and like it's like super macabre and like bizarre and but it's like so like this awesome. raw and awesome and cool and like there's just no filter on there like oh it's this is this is what I think about it like, I'm a kid I don't care about this yeah. <laughs> yeah I like it when they're you know 
they you know that they're, they're gonna dance around there's this one song they want their dad to play that song because it's it's so much right. fun they love that one <laughs> and then the next song comes up and it scares the living hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, ah, no. Just, man, that, you can't Play that pay for that kind of innocence. Just like, you can't. Like, it's, right? it's, 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 <laughs> that, yeah. That's what makes me feel like a success. If there's any part of me that, that ever feels like a, like a success, it's when I can scare little kids and then cheer them up, you know, with music. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally that is successful. It's <laughs> awesome. I remember... Uh, it's a good like, place to be. Just a... Yeah. Uh, talk about myself a bit like yeah like in a similar vein like i played in a very a girl group kind of like throwback band and it was like so amazing to play a, a show and have these like small children like little girls like like they don't give a fuck about the music but they're staring at these girls in their sequin dresses holding on harmonies like there you know like like it's that that again you can't pay for that kind of innocence you know like mm. you can't like there's that <laughs> like oh yeah we've we've like inspired children here like like oh that's good like like children like yeah mm. children got me like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's my point. <laughs> so that's it. That's, I think it's, that's a good place. Any that's, it's, I'm feeling good about this. Yeah. You good? That's, yeah. good? that's yeah. an uplifting message. Yeah. Yeah. How did we manage that? It was roundabout and was quite possibly accidental, <laughs> but we've managed to finish on a high note. Man. Trey, nice thanks, thanks, thanks for so much. Uh, coming coming down, dude. My this pleasure. It's a lot of fun. It's you been guys. great. Trey, really thank you very yeah. much. Like, yeah, yeah, this is great yeah. to have you. Yeah, you've had great stories, and, and like as as Conan often says to many of our guests, like there's there's a lot of what I do musically that has been inspired by what you've done musically. Like, and I thank you for that. Like, I well, I apologize for that. <laughs> no, it's, it, to be fair, it wasn't your fault. I'm going to blame it on Dunn. Right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't me, man. Fucking Trevor, fuck this. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, on that note, yeah. On that, thank you so much. For thank, thank you so great. much. Like, like, let's play us out. I um, will. Like, sing, uh, signal pod on Twitter. Um, uh, the fuck is our? I uh, can't stop the signal. Can't stop the signal on that. Facebook, if you have to. iTunes, if you must. This is DSI. We're on Stitcher. We're on Stitcher. That's go. a thing. You probably know this if you're listening on Stitcher. What am I playing? I don't know. Tell me. I'll just play as you know. I had a couple lined up. I got this one's called Safina. All right. It's the last uh, track off of Book M. A fucking amazing album. You should get it. Web of Mimicry. You can find oh, it yeah. there. Oh yeah. Uh, Christ. See, I don't. I don't have any the drops. Yeah. Web I don't have. Mimicry. I don't have any of the notes. Web, uh, of, web mimicry. of Mimicry.com, Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and there's a Secret Chief site. Uh, well, you just the, the one. It's on the Web of Mimicry. It's all fucking there. When the vinyl comes it. out, fucking buy it because it doesn't last long, guys. It's it's already your, on pre-order. Yeah, I was about to say get your pre-order on. I did fast. that today. Like I I already done it. Hopefully, some of these shows yeah. will not have occurred by the time this actually goes up for people to listen to. Duende, we're playing in Duende uh, in Oakland uh, on what is it the eighth. The doing, is it the, the ninth, uh, the ninth. Uh, I think that's the one I'm going to. That's Masada. That's Masada. Yeah, 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 I'm going to that one. Duende, what uh, is that? Ninth? That's a Duende's a restaurant in Oakland, downtown Get the Oakland. Fuck out. Yeah. 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 Mona bought the tickets. Uh, my girlfriend Mona bought the tickets. Like, I can't believe they're playing at this restaurant. I just went to. Like, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Mona. That was your voice. Sorry. We like doing. That's you. That's what you sound like. Oh yeah, that's it's actually the same day as a yeah. I'm not sure if what they do with tickets, but yes, because we're about to announce it. So if you want it, you should probably do it. Soon, and by the time you will have heard this, it, like it already s- would have been announced. Yeah, 
There's like 70 so, seats. So sorry you guys didn't get in. <laughs> but you can do it if you, if you get it now. Cool. I, I'm definitely planning on going to the chapel show, but uh, I'll have to look into that and one. And there's a, actually an e- Amoeba in store in San Francisco the same what? day. Nice. So what? if you can't get tickets, go one to One of my Amoeba. favorite shows cool. was uh, Cafe du Nord. Not Cafe du Nord, sorry. Uh, that was a great show, but uh, Mama Buzz. You guys did like a random <laughs> you were like, that thing. I was at that. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't put that in the list of shows. I, I just made a list of like all the billions of shows we played, and I, I forgot that one. Yeah, that, that was, it was great. It was really good because it was... Uh, yeah, I, th- I want to say you guys hadn't played live for it was, it was just after Book M, and I think there was like a a shaking up of sorts thing, and like kind of like two thousand five, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds yeah. exactly right. Yeah, would have been wow. I forgot all about that. Yeah, it was just chess and Shazam. Yeah, and, just, yeah, it was like yeah, I didn't know chess was with you. It was like I don't know, it didn't look like Danny Heifetz, I mean, but it was some <laughs> other dude. Like a, he was no, fucking ripping though. <laughs> Shit. There's uh, shows in L.A., San Diego, Santa Ana. Where the fuck is Felton? That's Felton's a, it's uh, near his hunt where he lives. It's right, it's right by where you felt it. Like to, yeah. <laughs> Santa Boulder Cruz Creek. He who felt it, dealt it. At the appropriately titled Don Quixote. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, wow. Web, web, web of Mimicry. Um, web of Mimicry. Go check it out. For all things Trey. Uh, thank you so oh, much, man. Thanks, Again, guys. thanks, you guys. Thank you.
Actually, did, uh, after Snowcord, Marcy Playground, uh, their representatives asked to open up for Mr. Bungle. Are you, you whoa, fucking really? kidding me? <laughs> that? Yeah. Holy shit. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You heard it here wow. first. And they were going to pay us. You like, <laughs> please, please let please us play. We'll pay you. <laughs> Holy shit! That is a band desperate for some cred. Isn't wow. that weird? I mean, I remember Fucking their song. Marcy uh, Playground. We did Sex and Candy. It's cool. It's cool, guys. That is I'm gonna, a band. Uh, wow. um, I don't I'm think I've a... ever consciously listened to. The-